edition of the Royal Alliance UK podcast episode 256, the Holmes Appreciation Society. My name is Matthew Turner alongside Ashley Soden. How are you doing, man? I'm doing good, doing good. Excited to fully enter off-season mode after last week's award show. Now it's time to crack down with free agency, the draft, and everything after that. Absolutely. We are in full off-season mode, tape-watching mode for the draft. Combine's coming up. Starts tomorrow. TV coverage starts on Thursday. There's lots of news coming up. Free agency comes up just after the combine. Man, it's all go. Yeah, I love it. And I love it. It's time to start, as we were saying just before we went live. Combine starting this week. Obviously, some of the stuff coming up with the QBs that aren't throwing and are throwing. And Marvin Harrison Jr. saying he's not even going to do a pro day. He's just going to exist. It's an interesting time of year. Uh, just on that, before we get into the preamble, before we get into the news, I think it's a terrific decision because you hear all the time about players who are sophomores in the NFL who say, my body is kind of recovered to my playing weight. I really feel like I'm a different kind of player now. You know, I'm going to hit the ground running. I've gone through one training camp and here's another. I wasn't at my proper weight last year because of the combine and when Marvin yeah. Harrison Jr. knows that he is at worst wide receiver two most likely wide receiver one but you know whatever that he doesn't have to hurt his production in year one for the sake of something which doesn't matter to him I think it's a genius decision I'm on the fence about it like I know some it's and obviously it's a plus and a minus because as we were discussing on discord Sometimes the combine rises when we actually don't perform as well as the ones who lose stock. Obviously, Cole Hamilton, for example, Brian Branch. But there are places that are not so much souring on Marvin Harrison, but are betting on Malik Nabba's athletic upside. Like this Nabba's could run like low four threes, possibly four twos. Harrison's four fours. The teams might be slightly. I don't want to say like slightly turned off by the fact he's not even doing a pro day because he's missing out interviews, the medicals and that. And he's not athletically testing so teams might be a bit out on his effort because of that. And then Nab is because he is turning up and doing these things. He might get that little bump. And obviously I do think if someone picks Nabbers over Marvin Harrison, they're dumb. But I could also see it happening. Obviously we are saying, Trayvon Walker over Aiden Hutchinson because of the combine. Teams do dumb stuff like this all the time. It's whatever. We have a really great question about our um, subject matter today from Mile Marker. Shout out Mile Marker for the question. Uh, if you're in the chat, get your questions in. If they're about the draft, we'll get to them after the end of the show, after the audio pod is finished. If they're about the subject matter, we'll get to them in due course. Mile Marker has a question on the dark times under the current regime and, and how, when that was and how you felt and whatever. So I, I think that's yeah. really great to consider. Right. 
we need to get into our preamble and then the news before we get into all of this though and please do join our discord channel you better believe it when i tell you that the biggest viewing figures for the show every single year are in the run-up to and during the draft and the reason for that is because it's the most exciting time of year when the knowledge gap between the people who just listen to the show who have a job and don't have enough time to do the scouting themselves and the people who do want to do that is biggest because i think when everyone watches a game they have their own opinions and like they're kind of comfortable with where they're at but this time of year there's so many people with such great insight to these players and one of the best places to find all of that and all the takes from the people in the community is on our discord channel so the link is in the live chat right now it's one of the best times of the year to come and be a part of it and there's some lovely people in there too uh college football podcast coming up this week i think looking back at the hbcu uh all-star game which happened last weekend and is grinding that tape as we speak and they should have a very special guest in that one of the people who works for the hbcu legacy bowl will be on the show to talk about what happened so if you want to have some fantastic insight into basically an entire class of sleepers anyone that you want to shock your friends into knowing because you you know that there's a great prospect at alabama a&m or North Carolina A&T, or whatever, it's going to be the show to listen to. So take some time out of your week this week and listen to the guys when they come on for that. Uh, please don't forget to like the show, sub to the podcast, all that good stuff. You know you know how much it helps us out with the likes and putting us out there to everybody else. And please do add Lions Nation Unite on their Facebook group. It's Herman Moore's project to bring the best in Lions content creators together. With Twitch affiliated YouTube monetized, there's a tip jar down below. If you're enjoying what you're listening to, then please do not hold back in that regard. There's also a feedback form too. And our merch store is live during the off-season. We're going to be making some really good additions to that. I'm already thinking of some sort of all-grit design, potentially. I mean, anything which Brad kind of thinks of, I'm going to try and rip off, I think, because he has class in that regard. Uh, in terms of wanting to show some love, I just wanted to give a shout-out to Zylo who tipped us £10 uh, in our tip jar three days ago. So nowhere near to an episode, just must have watched um, last week's show and wanted to do that. And uh, Zylo said, breaking news, previous show quality not affected despite presenters wearing bow ties. Thanks for the shout out, <laughs> Zylo, appreciate that. If you haven't seen me looking like an ass wearing a bow tie, go back and have a look at the show on YouTube last week. It was... Um, a sight to behold. Hello to Joseph Austin, Giovanni Lyons II as well for coming in right now. All right, Ash, news. Lyons re-sign kicker Michael Badgley in terms of roster news. Um, Lyons didn't have a kicker on the roster. Uh, obvious move? Yeah, pretty much like this is what pre-free agency is all about. If you can bring back guys kind of cheap just to fill the holes puts a less strain on you when actual free agency happens. I'm for it. Like, yeah, Badgley up and down season with us last year to coming in. I know people, including myself, want a bit of an upgrade on him. As doubtful as that's probably going to be because as Brad, no, it wasn't, it was Dan said, even if he had Justin Tucker in that championship game, he probably wouldn't have kicked the field goals. You just need someone there. And I won't be surprised if you bring in late round pick, UDFA or another cheap kicker that's on the street as competition in camp. But right now, 
because the team knows him, Vip knows him and that, and they know what they got from him. He's probably our kicker entering this season as good or bad as that sounds. Four out of four on field goals, 13 of 15 on extra points last season with Detroit. Previous year, he was 100% in extra points and he was 20 of 24 in field goals. So that's a pretty damn good year and a bit stretch with Detroit. And I know and understand how everyone feels about him. And I'm not even saying he should be the kicker going into next season. I highly doubt he has anything more than 100 grand guaranteed. So this is not saying that Michael Badry is going to be on the roster come week one. But it provides a camp body. Exactly. Let's go. We need we need two, maybe three. He should be part of that rotation as the incumbent from last year. He just should be. Anyway, yeah. on to perhaps bigger news, which is the 2024 cap has been set at $255.4 million. There were estimates flying all over the place. We saw one at 250, which was apparently high. The lowest was at $242 million. And the cap comes in $13.4 million higher than the lowest of the low estimates that were out there. And Ash, I know the the um, the Players Association kind of always underestimates how much this is going to be, but that's a significant chunk above that. And I mean, obviously, it's great for the Lions. We can sign some more players, but it's great for every team. It's great for the players. It's going to increase demand. If anything else, every single player in the NFL right now is going to get a slight pay increase because they can demand just that little bit extra. Of course, yeah. And added on to that, obviously tied to the caps, people might or might not know, there's the Player Association's player performance bonuses as well. That also had an increase of about $2 million. So these like uh, players, don't know the exact formula it's based on, but basically whatever players play above their contract's worth, they can get bonus on top of that. So, for example, Sam Laporta, for instance, is probably going to get a hefty little bonus in his paycheck soon because he played way better than his first deal, uh, first year rookie deal. It's happened before. I think Tracy once got a million dollars off it back when like he was on the top form of his game. He's on second year of his rookie deal, I think. It happens, and yet everyone's going to be rubbing their hands, and it's just going to keep up the more and more the um. Taylor Swift money comes in, gambling money comes in, new TV deals and that. The cap's just going to keep going up and up, which to call back to a couple of weeks ago, uh, maybe it's a good thing for us that maybe we can get some of our big name free agents tied down now. So in three years, three, four of their deal, their cap hits are going to look absolutely tiny compared to what they what they do now because the cap's just going to rise and contracts are going to rise along with that. Just want to give a big shout out to Lost Oceans, who after a, after me rambling at the start of the show, as I always do, he has tipped $25 and has got the little alert coming up now with a little clap from Dan Campbell. He says, keep up the great work. Looking forward to the up and coming draft coverage. I wish I could make the trip up and have a beer with you both. I wish you could too. Shame you can't. I am trying to think about what we can do in terms of... Um, content while we're out there because of course the one thing we can't control is internet and availability of internet in terms of how to do all of that and also what's going to be a good opportunity and what isn't i'm trying to discuss with the team whether we can get media credentials all of that sort of stuff like why would you we're just a random 
content contributor. There's there's millions of people who do what we do. And yet, how many of them are across the pond? And, and does that make you special? And I'm trying to argue that it does, but I don't, I'm, I'm trying to find the right contact details and all that stuff. It's a struggle. It's a real struggle, people. But anyway, we'll see what we can do with all that. Pride of Detroit's in the chat saying, Alan Ra definitely going to get a piece of that performance bonus. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit. Just what? to go back to what we were just discussing earlier about Marvin Harrison, yeah. it's now come out that Malik Neighbors will also not be doing any of the athletic testing at the Combine. So there goes my entire point. Well done, Marvin Harrison. You're doing a good. Well, it's a big opening for people like Keon Coleman, probably, whose oh. stock's been fall falling recently. You know, at the moment, it's questionable as to whether Coleman's a first rounder, whereas that was never a question a month yeah. ago. So, you know, he's got the opportunity to turn things around. Anyway, moving on from the cat number. Uh, in fact, no, one, one more thing on this. I was saying, you know, that people can demand a little bit more because it's the same number of teams to, going after the same number of players, which just means with the amount of money going up, the players can just ask for more. But in reality, some people are always going to be worth veteran minimum some people are always going to be worth this sort of money or that sort of money. Do you think that it means the Lions will make a marquee signing? I mean, I think it maybe makes it more likely, but do you think it may be, do you think we're going to go after more depth or do you think we maybe go after the same amount of depth that we were going to go for, but maybe the quality goes up? Maybe a mix of both. If anything, what I think it might do for us is and I know it's it still be a shot in the dark because he's turned down an offer that's already on the table, according to reports. It does increase the chance of Jonah coming back because now with that extra bit of cap, maybe we can be a bit more lenient with how much he pays because obviously people uh, are all thinking we just can't afford how much he's off uh, he's asking for right now. Maybe this gives us a bit of chance. I would love for us to go and make a splash sign in like a Jalen Johnson, a Sneed, a Justin Madawikwe. Something big just to help. It probably won't happen like Brad's told us. It's probably not going to happen. But it just means we can be a bit more likely to get some of our guys back. It's like Jonah, maybe like Graham, because as much as we all think Graham's going to come back, if he hits for agency and he gets a big pay packet, will he go and do it again? It's up there in the, uh, in the air. But I just think it means it's more likely that we can afford to bring back the guys we want to help. I'm going to suggest it, despite what happened in the championship game. Josh Reynolds back. Like, stuff like that. I, I would love for us to have a big smart sign. I just don't think it's happening. I think all our big moves are going to come through the draft in terms of adding big-name talent. I think for the most part, it's just plug all the holes you can with players that you can trust. Then it's the sort of high variance of talent coming through the draft. There's two things that I think could happen as a direct result of this uptick in money. I'm borrowing them both from other Lions podcasts I've listened to this week. So apologies. I think it was either uh, Detroit Lions Breakdown podcast with Eric Schlitt and Joe Kenya, or it was uh, The Athletics, one of these years uh, with with our friends over there on The Athletic, Nick Baumgartner, Colton Pouncey. Um I've shouted them out, so I don't feel too bad now. Either, it might have been Pride of Detroit as well. I won't rule that out. I've listened to a lot this week. Yeah. I think it's either going to be that Aline McNeil gets re-signed this season. 
because I think that his amount of money is maybe going to be getting towards $20 million a year. And I just don't think that the Lions would have contemplated that before. But actually, if you, if you hope that McNeil does get better again this season, he's firmly putting himself in that $20 million territory like Mads Wike is at the moment. Whereas if you get him now, when he's just had the one really good year, maybe you get him at 15 or 16, and the extra like 5, 6, 10 million, however much you thought the cap was going to be, maybe softens that blow a little bit. That's the first thing. That's uh, so that was the part of the Detroit calling show because I literally listened oh, to it on the way home. I haven't listened to a calling show yet, so it was a different. It was a different show. Ah, oh, well, there you go. The it's discussed point. again. It was. I mean, it was the exact same point. Going to show how much regurgitation there is between all of the things because <laughs> one good idea is a good idea everywhere. The second idea is, and I think this was the Athletic, was I think it makes the prospect of something that I'd ruled out previously more likely which is a Jonah Jackson re-signing. So I had resigned myself to Jonah Jackson going. And I thought he might want to be paid near the top of the guard market. So we're talking uh, top of the guard market's 20 million at the moment, I think, or 21 yes. with the Atlanta it's, Falcons, the Chris Lindstrom. I think top five is about 18 million right now. Yeah, so I thought he might be in that range. And then the Athletic are talking about, well, with his injury history, and I know Ant will hate me for saying that, but in the last two years, he has been a little bit more banged up than before. I think that's undoubtable. He's still been fairly healthy in his career, but the last two years have been, yeah. That he is going to maybe command a salary in the sort of 10 to $14 million range, which I thought was much more palatable. And then you take into account this extra money, and I'm like, hmm, maybe we can fit this under the cap now. But I think you can only do one of those two things. And actually, Aline. I think I kind of prefer Aline. But, but that's the thing is that the Athletic were talking about guard being the most important position in this offseason. And I'm like, I don't agree. Um, I can see it both ways. So it's probably bringing in Eric and the Detroit Lions breakdown because he said that is probably the biggest thing because we have two starting roles there. But Graham coming back, hopefully, fingers crossed, Touchwood and all that, he's probably going to come back. That's one of those held a lean for what he brings to that defensive tackle group and the defense as a whole. Spoiling a bit with the calling show, but there were calls that he's probably the second most important slash second most talented player on that defense uh, behind Hutch. Kind of true. Like, look what happened to our defensive line when he went on IR. It kind I, of fell apart. Like, obviously, I know Brian Branch is there, Kirby's there. I They've got the Aleem in terms of talent and importance for that defense. It's just so key. And yeah, I'll bring him back. And I know Ant will love that because it's of what me back and go Wolfpack player, be music to his ears. But I, I think that they are both positions which take a long time to get good at. Yeah. But if you think about impact, if you get a mediocre guard out of the draft between Decker and Ragnow, that's going to be less impactful, even if it puts more pressure on Goff, than it will be losing interior pressure. And if you have a look at yes. defensive tackles... This is the sweet spot for their careers where a lot really start to take off. You have a look at Madabrike now with the Ravens and like just come into his own really in the last couple yeah. of seasons after having a hard couple of years. We've been looking for Aline forever. We've had Levi come and we drafted oh, yeah. Levi to play the role Aline is currently playing. 
Nick Williams. Well, let's not go back that far. But <laughs> but also, Josh Pascal, I know, was on edge. But when we were playing the 3-4 system as a 3-4 defensive end, that is more akin to Aleem playing a defensive tackle at the three-tech in a four-down system than it yeah. is playing the edge. So Pascal, as a three-downman defensive end or a four-down a four lineman defensive end or defensive tackle, Aleem is that role still, kind of. There's a lot of crossover there, I think, in terms of skill set. You couldn't push Aleem out to the edge. You couldn't. But it's so impactful for what Hutch can do and all that yeah. stuff. And if we don't get Aleem and we have to replace him in the draft, you might be talking another two years before you get Aline McNeil back, and then you're not going to pay them as well because you don't believe in it. So just exactly, yeah, it's because it. yeah. So going way back, and this is way back, and I know no one ever read it because we have the analytics for it. Back when we did make that change from the three down system to the uh, to the four man system, starting year two. Aleem is key to that because the whole point of that system, at least back then, it might have changed slightly now, obviously with the change defensive line coach, which is twice. Um, but the whole point is you have a defensive tackle. It's predicated on having a defensive tackle who demands a double team. Yeah. That is Aleem. That is Aleem. And you can, and that's the beauty of it, because then you can, if you on the running downs, you can play Benito Jones in that. And you can club the room. And on passing downs, you can slide a commission side, a Pascal inside. Hell, Hutch can slide inside if you need him to. That's the beauty of having the lean there on that defensive line. He can play anything from basically nose tackle, zero, zero tech, to that four-eye kind of role, depending on how you want your fronts. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to slightly disagree with that. Just and I don't think Aleem is someone who's necessarily going to command double teams. He should, but... I want to put a 340-pound mauling run stuffing defensive tackle next to Aleem to allow Aleem to go and pass rush because I really feel like that's where he's come on. And I fear that in a three-down lineman system, Aleem doesn't really have a natural position because he's not he's not a defensive end in a three in a three-down lineman situation. And I I think as a nose, he's just not quite as good as he could be as if he was a three-tech in a four lineman situation. Yeah. I just think he's better there. So I I, I, yeah, I see what you're saying, but I don't yeah, necessarily it's, it's stylistically. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's stylistically. When I'm saying putting no Aleem at the zero, I don't mean like on every single down. I mean on mm. the sort of pass rushing down, you slide him there because him having that, he's the big tackle there. Then yeah, he demands the double team from, it's usually the centre and the right guard, sure. I remember. And then Pascal has the one and one against the left guard. Whoever's playing opposite Hutch has the left tackle, and then obviously Hutch demands tight end and right tackle. So yeah, I would love a big guy, even though my favourite defensive tackle in the class, as everyone probably can guess, because he's been a riser from the senior ball. He plays at two hundred eighty-five pounds. It will go into that, but yeah, I just, I, Aleem's just too important for me. It, it might have slight racial connotations, which may not be the cleanest thing in the world, but I really wanted the episode that was titled for the College Football Show about him to be called Stop and Fisk. <laughs> oh, <no>. <laughs> <laughs> which is just never mind about that because I know that's 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 potentially that's... sensitive. But I thought it got a laugh. Hey, it got a painful, icky laugh, and like, that's yes. what I'm. That's what I am as a person. <laughs> uh, many <laughs> thanks to Jeff Hurley for the ten dollars super sticker and the chat. He says thanks for the off season info. I'm starved with a big happy smiley face. Appreciate you, Jeff. Your absolute 
man you're an absolute man for everything you do for the show I really really appreciate it um let's crack on with the rest of the show because i could just chat all day about this stuff um and let's talk about is it humble is it humble brag to talk about it being a massive win for the Royal Alliance College Football Podcast, because the Lions are going to use an all 30, used to be called top 30, but we're not calling it top 30 anymore, an all 30 visit on CFL Stan, absolute Stan, uh, cornerback Quantez Stiggers. They picked up on the fact that he was going to be an absolute gem when it came to, was it Shrine Bowl? Yes. Shrine Bowl stuff. So we're talking about Three to four weeks ago that they previewed the Shrine Bowl, I think. Maybe longer. Four or five weeks, yeah. It was one, I, I remember it because it was one of the first draft clips we placed on our TikTok slash YouTube slash whatever. Go watch them, please. But yeah, it is such a win. It's a win for us. It's a win, especially for Anton Ryan, for picking him out. Especially Ryan, like this is a guy who picks out uh, Stiggers. And also, as people who watched last week's show, knows a lot about bets. It just shows that to refer to a Facebook post that was posted yesterday that I commented under us Brits do know our stuff about American football when we put, really put our minds to it because he he might be day three UDFA territory because one year in the CFL hasn't played any college and all this but he has the upside to be a damn good cornerback if it all clicks on for him so I'm all for us using an all 30 physics. He's not going to be at the combine just to get the medicals on him, get some testing on him, see how he ticks. And then if he works for us, happy to add him to our cornerback room because we need some help on the outside, as we keep saying, and getting someone like him in with the upside and then having a Stefan Gilmore or Ruzier uh, or whoever on the outside as a one, two-year stock gap while that cornerback develops. He could turn out to be a, I, I don't know. I don't say the Nick Source got on or anything because they hit the ground running, but a corner like a cornerback who I think actually, you know what, JC Jackson's probably the best example. Kind of played all right first couple of years, but then year three, year four of his rookie deal was a top corner league. He has that upside. I mean, let's hope he doesn't have a recent career like JC Jackson. Yeesh. Um, oh, yeah, true. true. I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I, I got what you meant. In the rookie deal, he came on strong late. Yeah. Um, on to coaching news. Since we last spoke to you last week, Lions have confirmed they their coaching roster for the upcoming season. So the Lions have added Jim O'Neill as a defensive assistant. Uh, and that was in addition to the two previous ones, which were kind of announced but not confirmed of Deshay Townsend who's a DB coach and defensive pass game coordinator and Terrell Williams who's a defensive line coach and defensive run game coordinator removed from the coaching pages of the Lions website and therefore without saying thank you for your service it looks like implicitly that they're gone is senior offensive assistant Jim Hosler and senior defensive assistant John Fox, defensive quality coach, uh, quality control coach Wayne Blair, defensive line coach John Scott Jr., cornerbacks coach Trey Bly, as you alluded to in the pre-show, and defensive backs coach Brian Duker. Duker, of course, we knew because he'd been hired by the Dolphins already. Ash, a lot of movement in the coaching ranks. What do you make of it all, especially Jim O'Neill we didn't know about until a couple of days ago? I'm going to start with Jim O'Neill because obviously we've all heard me spout about Townsend and Terrell Williams before when they got first rumoured. 
I like the Jim O'Neill sort of thing taking over that John Fox slash. And now, as soon as I wanted to say his name, it, it goes out of my head. The former Green Bay defensive coordinator, we had him in year one to help Glenn. It will pop into my head in a couple of minutes. No, no, but this is a guy who, again, been there and done a lot. He's mostly been a, a defensive backs coach. That's probably uh, before he was in Northwestern, which was his last stop as the offensive coordinator. He was a DB coach for the Raiders, but he's also done it with um, say, did it safeties in Eastern Michigan at the start of the uh, start of century. Done it in uh, New York with the Jets. But he's also taught linebackers. He's even done a bit of tight ends and offensive line. This is a guy that's done a lot of things. He's been there, done that. He was even defensive coordinator for a good couple of years with the Browns in 2014 to 15, and then the Niners in 2016. Like he's going to bring a, that sort of advisory role, but also again because of the stuff to do with defensive backs, maybe can help out there because it's where we need the help most. Like who would have thought? As we'll get onto in a bit when we go through the Brad Holmes evaluation that we've been most satisfied with our linebackers at this point in things. Like, the linebackers don't need touching. Defensive line with Williams coming in doesn't need touching. He's been there, done that. History of success. Now it's time to really focus on those corners. So having Townsend, who's done it, uh, O'Neill, who's done it, and then hopefully, again, together, they can just sort out that secondary because that's the thing that really needs to come together. And then as for the losses, like, as you said, we knew Juca was going... Fox is probably going to go back and play golf in Florida uh, after where he was before we sent the call. Scott probably will land somewhere in the coaching ranks in college again. Like he's a damn good college defensive coach. I just think the speed of the NFL was a bit too much for him. Same with Dre Bryan, maybe, though he didn't have the best reputation in the UNC. So maybe he needs to drop down a bit to G5 level and then work his way back up to P4 slash P3, depending on how certain lawsuits with a certain conference go. And then with uh, Blair and Hostler, they'll probably either do a John Fox or they'll probably latch onto other teams. It seems to be a revolving door now of teams having these offensive assist, uh, senior offensive assistant, senior defensive assistant, just to have a bounce, a springboard for the coaches to go to ideas and help out with certain things, kind of like how we have guys in the front office to do that it's just become the vogue fingers we've done it so now other teams like other lines are doing well by doing it so let's see what uh let's see if we can replicate the magic i don't really have anything to add i think you've kind of covered the entirety of it i mean i'm sad to see john fox go i had respect for him as a former bears head coach i actually thought did quite well compared to the rest of what Bears history has done at head coach. I mean, they ultimately ended up wanting to part ways with him, but he gave them competency. I mean, I know Jay Cutler is looked on. I think he was a Jay Cutler here, right? I'm not going mad. I believe so. But but like, I, I'm I'm pretty sure that's right. But like the the Jay Cutler era has to be looked on. And I mean, I think it's funny, but it's also true that that's the most stable period they've had of quarterback play, maybe in their history. And yeah, like so the end of the Fox era, God, this is gonna bring back some memories, was twenty seventeen. So that's Mike Lennon and Mitchell Trubitsky era. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, that's like but even then going back, he was obviously um there with Manning and the uh Man Manning and the Broncos, he was at the Panthers as well. So yeah, he's always been a yeah. good I think with those teams, Panthers, Bears, Broncos, good defenses. 
eh, offenses. Yeah, yeah, that has always been his thing. But then bringing him in as a defensive assistant, I thought was a stroke yeah. of genius. And to be fair to Jim O'Neill, John Fox is a bigger name. And when it came to us lacking experience in the defensive coaching area, I thought that was a really good hire. The fact that we've gone after some more experienced coaches in Terrell Williams and Deshae Townsend means I'm less worried about that as a sort of overseeing guy being more experienced, but it's still his 12th NFL season, Jim O'Neill, so it's not like he's inexperienced whatsoever, but there we go. Anyway, that's the end of the news, and we move on to the main event of the evening, which is the Brad Holmes evaluation. We're going to come from the very start of his tenure all the way forward till now. We're going to keep this brief because there's a lot to go through. Uh, I will try and highlight the more important information and mention but gloss over the less important information we're going to go in each year draft trades free agency including signings re-signings and did not sign and then any notable in-season free agency action as well because frankly there's lots of stuff about the free agency period and then when you make a signing in year there's no sort of ongoing repository yeah. of that information so it's possible i've missed something with that but we shall see uh Carlton has just reminded me that the the money came through from Edge Matthew Betts and that that's $795,000 with no guaranteed money. Indeed, I did not I did not think about the fact that the contract value had been revealed, but I think that that is probably on the fringes of veteran yeah. minimum for someone who doesn't have very many vested years. Yeah. I'm not even sure he has enough vested years. I think I mentioned this last week, that potentially he's not got enough vested years where he won't be an exclusive rights-free agent if he makes it on a roster and makes it to the end of the season. He'll have to come back with that team. So someone's got his rights, I think, now. Yeah. Given his age, he may never get a big contract, even if he absolutely pulls out, because by the time he actually has control of his own rights, he might be the, the wrong side of 30. Anyway, he's 28, isn't he? I'm yeah, not, 28, I'm not he's, he's been he's been around for a while, yeah. All right. You have a question which I'm sure that you've seen, so you can get to work on that, but I'll put it in the uh, chat anyway in our prep doc. Okay, here we go then. So starting with 2021, the very first draft in the Brad Holmes, Dan Campbell regime, we started pick seven which is Penny Sewell, the right tackle from Oregon. Pick 41, which was the ninth pick in the second round. Levi Onzarike, defensive tackle from Washington. Pick 72, which is the eighth pick of the third round. Ali McNeil from NC State. That should be the ninth pick, should it not? No, the eighth pick. Um, 101 overall, which was the 37th pick in the third round, was Ifatu Melafonwu from Syracuse, a defensive back was a corner now a safety of course and then back-to-back -back picks 112 and 113 which is pick seven and eight in the fourth round Amal Rasen Brown from USC the wide receiver and Derek Barnes the linebacker from Purdue and then pick 257 that's pick 29 in the seventh round Jermar Jefferson the running back from Oregon State Ash Stepping back from the overall draft class now, and I'm going to give want us to give a, a grade at least to every player when we go through the draft analysis. But overall, stepping back at that entire draft class, your thoughts on it now? Pretty damn good. Like, out of the seven players we contributed, well, drafted, five are 
at least heavy contributors to the team. One's a rotational piece, and then the other, unfortunately, shown flashes, but is a practice squad guy. So for the most part, pretty damn good draft cast. Like usually, isn't it? You come out of a draft club who's eight player with eight players. Usually, two con- uh, two starters, two contributors, two special teamers, and then two that are cut. We're well above that with this draft class, even two, three years on. So let's talk about value. And we're going to talk about value and grade in terms of where this player was picked to begin with. And then we're going to evaluate the trade that may have got us that player separately. Because you can make a trade in isolation and the trade value is good, but the picked player is bad. So we're trying to separate out that process. So let's start at the top with Penny Sewell. Snap grade for him coming to the end of his rookie deal now. A star, 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 star. If we're using the UK grading system, like <laughs> he should have, he should have gone to the Bengals at five. He should have gone to the Bengals at five, which is why soon as I saw the Dolphins picking Jalen Waddle at six in my friendship group chat with all the people I go to school with who don't help, I was screaming and shouting on voice notes because I knew he'd be the pick here and. What a damn good pick he is. Going from right tackle to left tackle to right tackle in the first year to now the best tackle in the league in front of Trent Williams and such. What what more could we ask for from the first draft pick of this franchise? 100%. Absolutely smashed it. At pick seven, you got the best player in a position in the league in, in three years. But really... Ever since he transitioned from left tackle to right tackle halfway through year one after Decker got back from his injury because he wasn't the best left tackle starting out. Whether that was the position or whether that was just how raw he was coming into the league, I don't know. Lots of people want him to move back to left tackle. We'll see how that goes. But right now, it's immense value for the pick. Just huge. I mean, we've seen tackles go one overall before. And it would still be an A plus if it was a pick yeah. one. Just an exceptional 100%. pick. Levon Zarike, then ninth pick of the second round. What do you make of that? C minus. Like, we've got to bear in mind, obviously, no, the injury has been mostly injuries and such, but we drafted him with kind of the injuries in the back of our mind in a way. And maybe in my head, I'm also including the C minus the fact that there are reports that Brad wanted to trade up back into the first round for him. While it's not exactly a flop of a draft pick because he's still he is still fighting out at the end of his rookie deal, he hasn't shown what we wanted him to when we picked him. We drafted him in mind to be that sort of pass rushing free tech in this system. Well, actually back then it was more like the three four DE, but just to be a pass rusher and most part he's shown flashes of it, especially down the stretch this season, but he hasn't hit the heights that we were hoping for, for a second round pick. Oh, I'm, I'm in agreement. I want to go lower than this, but I think there's too much hindsight in that. And it's like, how does it look now? Not great. Does he make the rest of the season? Don't know. Think he's probably on the bubble, especially if we do some good investing in free agency and the draft. However, If you have a look at the gamble at the time in isolation, you get lots of people now saying don't want to gamble on injury. But if you have a look at the tape, if you have a look at what he did in college, I still think that the pick is reasonable value at the time. And so 
I'm downgrading it a little bit because it didn't work out. And yet I'm not absolutely flunking it because I don't hate the process. Yeah. 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 In order cool. why? Right. Aline McNeil, pick eight in the third round, 72 overall. Let's say he has certainly grown into his rookie deal. Yes. Which, yeah. I don't, I can't give it an A. Could I give it an A plus? Maybe. I want to say just like a straight A, A minus, because he hasn't hit the heights that Penne has, but is he supposed to be where he's been picked? I don't know. Like, it's definitely been a better pick than Levi, let's put it that way. But yeah, like an A, A minus. There's room for him to grow there. He could this season, if things continue on his track, he could be a top 10, top five defensive tackle, but he isn't there yet. I would go, I would go, I, I would be torn between an A minus and an A because despite yeah, how good this season was, it has taken three years to show that. He was always an up and down player on the precipice of something really good, but had never quite found the consistency and he got it this year. Yeah. If you were drafting him just on this year, he'd be an A plus. But on the oh. body of work, I feel like A minus yeah. may be more than fair. Yeah, respect well. Yeah, especially since we still haven't seen him sneak as uh, fullback sneak in on the one yard line. Hmm. <laughs> if Artu Melafonwu pick 37 in the third round, if you're screaming at me, there's only 32 picks around. Of course, there is the comp picks as well, which sometimes get you upwards of 40 picks in a round. So there we go. If Artu Melafonwu at 101, he obviously was on the bubble 12 months ago. I advocated for him not being on the roster come cut down day. The proof is in the videos. I cannot hide from it. And yet, I was the person driving the train come week five. So, you know, you can come around to a player. And grading him on this year is obviously one thing, but on the body of work, what do you think? C, B minus. I'll be, I'll be Jones. B minus, like... I can't feel, like the reason I'm saying like I'm just not like a straight C is because he showed flashes in year one outside corner. I remember vaguely off the top of my head. I'm not saying I remember specific stats, but him against Green Bay that year, just before he got injured, he was pretty damn good outside corner. But then obviously he got injured, and the weaknesses he had outside corner were evaluated, and so the team decided to put him at safety, and it's taken him a year's transition there again because of injuries. But now he's finally sort of hitting that stride, kind of like with what we said with Aleem, not to the lengths that Aleem's had, because obviously Aleem's been playing quite a lot more snaps, hasn't really been injured. Long may that continue. If he, as it comes to contract year, is entering in the probably the best possible state, coming into it hot. So he could, when it comes to next year, if he continues like this, it could move up to like a B plus. But right now, because it's only been half a season really of true starter what level play as he's coming to the side it's got to be a b minus yeah i'm with you as well we seem to be aligned in this at the end of the day if you get a player outside the top 100 and i'm claiming that just because he was at 101 and he at the end of year three becomes a starter for you that's a win and yeah. the only thing i would say is there's absolutely nothing stopping Ifati Melafonwu becoming a backup again next year because he's only shown it to us for half a season, potentially, at the sort of level he is. The other side of that 
is there's room for him to become one of the better safeties in the league. He was exceptionally good. All I would say is don't put a lot on his plate. Give him a job yeah. to do, and he will be everything you want him to be. He, Yeah, I think Riz put it best with his evaluation. If he is a point-and-shoot kind of safety, you tell him to do one thing, just hit that hole, track him, you're going to be fine. You start making him have to do think about multiple things at once. Yeah, it's not going to work for him to just Guard continue space. to use Yeah. It's, he's yeah. not a cloud cover safety. Yeah, he's a man coverage, strong safety that you blitz and using run defense. He's not a epic blitzer. He's, 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 I would say Cam, he's not a Cam Chancellor so much because Cam Chancellor could do cloud coverage, but Cam Chancellor, that sort of Legion of Boom, the blitz, run defense, and he was able to match against tight ends. That is what if you could turn into, kind of like how I say, with a guy we're going to come on to. Next draft cycle could be oh Thomas. Maybe that's what we could have this season. All right. Amon Ra picks seven of round four. That's 112. Is this a foregone conclusion? I think it has to be. Yes, it has to be A plus. Yeah. Brad got it right in the inside the den video. Amon Ra, top five. I don't care. I know Chris on Pride Detroit. He's not even high as me, probably on this. Amon Ra's a top five, say uh top five safety, top five wide receiver in the league. Chris from Pride of Detroit? Yeah. He said on last week, this Monday show, just really? gone, I think he said top 10. Yeah. I think top five. Yeah, I I, I tend to agree. I, I, I was surprised. Sorry. I, I, I was hearing Chris from Detroit Lions podcast yeah. rather than Chris from Pride of Detroit when you said that, just because I didn't think Chris would be so low on Amarasen yeah. Brown. But there we go. Especially since he is a South California guy. Um, but anyway... Uh, let's move on to Derek Barnes from Purdue. Pick eight in round four, 113 overall. I, I kind of feel like his career, while it's been more productive than Ify, that I feel better about Ifatu now than I do about Derek. Even though Derek really came on this year, it feels like he's always been the off-season winner pretty much since we drafted him. And yet this is really the only season where I feel good about him. And not that good. Like, he obviously had the pick in the playoffs, which was fantastic. I still feel like there's a lot of room for growth there, though. Yeah, there really is. I've put him my I'll to spoil it, to be my to me, Maybe because also, as you said with Ify, there's the possibility that he becomes a backup this year. There is an even larger prospect of Barnes becoming a backup this year because obviously it'll be year two for our first round pick at that position. And Rob Barnes has shown flashes and a yes. As you have to mention every single time we discussed Derek Barnes, he was an edge rusher come pitch coming out of the league. He'd only played one year safe early uh, linebacker before we drafted him. Still got some learning to do. If I had to pick what linebackers will be starting for us week one, it probably be will be him and Anzalone. If you had to, if you ask me what linebackers are starting for us coming out to buy next year, it's Anzalone and Campbell. Like Barnes is probably destined for that linebacker free role where gets in uh the mic when Campbell's taking the rest, he gets some snaps at the sound where we need him in a coverage role or something, but he's not gonna be a 80% like snap starter throughout the season. He's probably going to lose snaps to Campbell, to uh, Rodriguez, how to even Tanzaloni on some like dime looks where we need a, a dime backer. So 
for where we picked him, fourth round, pretty, pretty decent. But yeah, maybe he's kind of hit his ceiling with his role with what happened this year where he was a starter for most of it. That's kind of his ceiling now. Final pick of this draft was Jermar Jefferson, 29th pick in the seventh round, the third last pick, if I remember rightly, uh, running back from Oregon State. He is hanging around at the moment. I think he's on a futures deal for next year. So uh, do not expect him to make the roster. Obviously did get cut, but he's still kind of here just about. Showed some flashes in his career. He's got a couple of touchdowns, if I remember rightly. Pittsburgh. but he's on the outside looking in. Yeah, it's... And I, I, I dare don't talk too much bad about Jamal Jefferson because otherwise we will actually summon and and it will not be it will not be funny. His wrath will not be fun for me to endure. But if it was just purely on ability to carry the ball and gain yards that way, Jefferson will have a role in his team. But unfortunately, because the pass blocking really hasn't come and the special teams hasn't come, he hasn't been able to carve himself out a role. So... After Pittsburgh game alone, where he was the starter, it can't be a straight F, but it's probably going to have to be a. Actually, it's a and it's a seven. Actually, because it's a seven round pick, I can't even say D. D plus because as I say, seventh round pick, it's kind of a flyer. We have got some stuff out in, but is he really going to? Is he going to be on the active roster at any point this season? Probably not, unless there's been a catastrophic bout of injuries to the running back room. So D plus for me. Yeah, I'm I'm in total agreement. It's hard to fail any seventh round pick. The only seventh round pick that is a failure is one that gets cut in training camp year one, I think. Jay Johnson. Yes. Um, Okay, so looking back overall at this class, in year three, you've got four borderline five starters now. You have... Two of the best players in their position, maybe three. How does this rank overall? A minus. Oh, that's a lot less than I was going for. He's just going to go straight A. No. I'm going A+. Well, you said the average draft is going to have two starters, two backups, two cuts. This is three of the best players in the NFL in their position in one draft. True. It's you quite yeah. I stand correct. It's because in my head I was trying to aggregate the grades, but yes, overall, as literally as we were discussing in the pre-show, apply the PFF theory here. Yeah, A plus because you said three top players, role players, so aggregate it up and you get that little boost from being consistent Mm. for the benefit of the podcast listeners because i brought it up before we started recording on the pre-show come and listen to the pre-show come listen to the post-show as well um the pff theory is that if you have a season's worth of 80 grades in individual games that means you are a fantastic player above that of an 80 graded player you will be graded for the season 95 or something because a great player rated that highly is never going to be a destructive force all season long. It's not realistic. The best players in the league have consistently good games or consistently average to good games with several game-breaking games. And like 
the the body of work is elevated for being good and consistent so and 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 the other way as well if you have 40 grades all the way through the season you have a 20 grade for the year because yeah bad player on average is an even worse player overall because he can't rely on them so if you get two a pluses and an a minus and two b minuses a c minus and a d plus that's an a plus overall that's that's yeah. massively exceeding expectations all right exactly. Trades in this year, seventh rounder to the Rams for Michael Brockers. He obviously then got an extension. Uh, I'll go this one by one and we can just debate it and move on. So Brockers for a seventh. Easy to have a revisionist history, I think, with this trade. C plus. Contributed uh, some in year one and leadership aspect. And again, it was for a seventh rounder. Were we going to get anything that contributed more than what Brockers did in year one for a seventh? Probably not. So while it's not exactly a blow it out the water trade, it's all right. So C plus Lighten. Yeah. I think the bigger thing was the extension rather than yes. the, the trade itself. But in order to do the trade, you had to give the extension. You kind of have them as a package deal. I'd be tempted to go a little bit lower, maybe a flat C. I can be fenced. It's, it, it's me adding the leadership aspects. You know what I'm like with my mm. intangibles. All right. Here's the big one. S Matthew Stafford to the Rams for Jared Goff, a 2021-3, a 2022-1, and a 2023-1. A plus. Maybe it's, again, adding in all the context of what's happened since that trade, but they won it. We won it. Happy, happy men all around. I think the thing is that the thing which elevates this for me is that apparently the trade on the table was two ones and a three for Stafford. And they said, even with Goff's contract, which was widely regarded at the time as too much yeah. for a player of that caliber, that they actively wanted to take him and his own contract on. The two ones and a three for Stafford is already above what we thought we were going to get from him. The other competing trade was pick number seven and Teddy Bridgewater. Pick number seven? Pick number nine. It was pick number Jace. nine. Thank you. Yes, JC Horn. Horn. Yeah, so pick number nine and Teddy Bridgewater or two ones and a three. Duh, with that, but yeah. never mind. So that already was a win. But then you have a look at Jared Goff. What's he worth now? And I, I love this thought experiment because it puts the people who don't like him in a bind. Yeah. If you're not sold on him, what do you think he's actually worth on the open trade market? And is he going to be worth trading him away for that? Because if you were about to say two ones, which I think you were, I'm with you. I think he's worth two yeah. ones. So what at the end of the day we're going to end up maybe if we move on from Goff getting two one sorry four ones and a three for Stafford that's unbelievable exactly even if it's a one one and a two or something it's still ridiculous value for for Stafford exactly, yeah. so absolutely smashed it right uh, draft trades we had one hundred and fifty three overall and a twenty twenty two fourth. For 113th, 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 yeah, I don't know why I've got 
slight addition to that it wasn't just that as eric quite rightly pointed out in the dialing show it was also for 257 in that draft because it was what got us to march jefferson ah okay cool i don't know so why i missed might... that but while you while you type that in yeah see doesn't really like okay yeah it we got ourselves a player came up for him got jefferson out of it it's a does it really do anything kind of trade? Like it's equal kind of value in terms of number of picks. Yeah, you lose some because you're trading up, but eh, take it or leave it kind of trade. It doesn't really impact as negative, positively or negatively. Yeah, I, I actually think that this may be better than that. I think the trade in isolation, if you go yeah. from 153, you're looking maybe at, unless you hit an Amon Rasset Brown, a bit later on sort of guy that you're looking at trading up. Well, you're looking at trading up to where Amon Rasen Brown was taken and you're yeah. going from 40 picks below that. So I think you're moving from sort of like career backup territory to upside to be a starter yeah. territory. And that costs you a fourth next year and you got a late seventh flyer in return yeah. and a fourth in return along with 153, I don't think there's much compensation really for going up 40 spots. So yeah. I actually think it's probably better than C yeah. in retrospect. And I'd be willing to bump true, it up yeah. to a B minus maybe. True, yeah. Especially since I'm looking out, this is only just what the Browns did with that pick. So at 153, they selected Tony Fields, the second out of West Virginia, who... He's been okay, hasn't he? He's been okay. He has... Not really. Well, actually, he's oh. too defensive. Touch. He's had. He's been all right. He's been all right mm -hmm. to say the least. And I'm looking now. I know this is just out of context. Uh, where's the other fourth? Where's the fourth? Um, come on. Where is it? They probably traded it away, didn't they? Yeah, they probably. Yeah, traded they traded it away. It away. Don't, don't worry about it. Oh, there you go. Yeah, they traded it away. I think to the Chiefs via a load of stuff, and they got canard from it. So yeah, we probably got the better end of the deal. Uh, the final draft trade was a 2022 fifth and a conditional seventh. Sorry, it wasn't draft trade, in-season trade. 2022 fifth and a conditional seventh, which was not given in the end, for wide receiver Trinity Benson and a 2023 sixth. So we moved down a year and a round in day three to pick up Trinity Benson. Having, I will separate the process from what I, like from the outcome, if that makes sense, purely based on the trade, the process. Again, see, like I can see the process there. We needed some receiver help at that point because Rashad Perriman hadn't really hit and um, not Mike Williams, the other Williams that we got, the other Williams, the one that got concussed week one against Seattle. Uh, Tyrell. San Francisco. Tyrell Williams, of course, yes. We need some receiver help. I can see the process, as we'll come on to in a bit. The outcome, not so high, but I can see the I can see the logic behind it. Basically, yeah, I'm I'm with you. I don't hate the thought process. It's the player that's the problem, yeah. and he probably exactly. wasn't worth it for that. But the thing is, all of the other trades for indeterminate people. You then have the pick and then you make the pick. Whereas for yeah. this, it is specifically for Trinity Benson. And I didn't like the player before. And I yeah. don't now. So while C for the process is fine, 
I, I dislike it a lot more than you do. Yeah. I, I would be at the sort of D minus area of like, this was a move which took a pick, which, you know, Brad Holmes has shown he can do stuff with fifth rounders. I, I have literally just said that's like career backup territory, but Brad has shown an ability to draft well at the top of day three. And he's kind of hamstrung himself and you have to wait for the pick a bit longer for the sake of someone who... Yeah, we were in dire straits at the time in need of someone. But I kind of think, given the player that he was, that, that maybe there must have just been someone, and maybe maybe there wasn't, that you could have maybe picked someone better up off the street. And you actually paid money for him. And that just kind of hurts me a bit. Yeah. I'd go flat D, and I feel like they should be grateful for it. Yeah. I'm looking now. That pick was the one that went to Kansas City for Canard. So, eh. yeah. All right. Never mind. Anyway, it's, Never mind. this is low yeah. hanging fruit as oh. it is anyway. Like, it doesn't yeah. matter really. Um, let's move. Oh, Shall we grade the trades? I think overall, the, the Goff Stafford one dominates, and so I'd be willing yeah. to give B plus A minus territory. Yeah, I was about this. to say B plus. I was about to say B plus. It's... All right, let's let's go B plus. That dominates the landscape, although yeah. the track record after that, everything else is not great. Right, let's move on to free agent signings. So signed in this season, the aforementioned Tyrell Williams, wide receiver, one year, $3 million. Josh Hill, the tight end, was signed one year, $1.2 million. He retired before the season started. Jamal, uh, Jamal Williams, running back, two years, $7.5 million. Tim Boyle, quarterback, one year, $2.5 million. Rashad Perryman, wide receiver, one year, $3 million. He was cut in camp. Randy Bullock, one year, $1.5 million, the kicker. I think he was cut in camp as well, if I remember rightly. Um, other people may not have made it through camp either. I apologize for not remembering them all. Happy Some of them, right. I didn't even remember the names. Uh, Charles right. Harris <laughs> Charles Harris came on at this time. Defensive end, one year, $1.75 million. Kenny Raymond, wide receiver, one year, $1.3 million. Alex Anzalone, one year, $1.75 million. Damien Ratley, the wide receiver, one year, $920K. Corn Elder, cornerback, not sure what the, the dollar value was of that deal, but I have a feeling it was around the $900,000 mark, $1 million mark. Quinton Dunbar, cornerback, one year, $1.3 million. He had a personal issue and asked to be released at some point early on in that deal. And Dean Marlowe, the safety, one year, $990,000. The re-signings were Mike Ford, cornerback, one year, $1.2 million. Romeo Aquara, Defensive end, three years, $39 million. Jaina Reeves may have been linebacker one year, $2.4 million. And death taxes and Don Muleback, I think it was his final year with the Lions, one year, $1 million. There are plenty of people we did not sign. Uh, I'll get to the in-season one that we did sign on waivers. Savion Smith, defensive back, claimed on waivers from San Francisco. I'll get to the people we didn't sign in a minute, but but looking at the people that we did, what are your overwhelming thoughts? I'm not going to grade every single one here. Let's just think about overall. What's the feeling there? Because I feel like there are some big misses in terms of what we were going for, but that there were some big wins there too, people who are still contributing for this team. Yeah. It's a mixed bag. Like, 
headlining it in terms of the good is obviously Khalif and Anzalone. Like they're still here contributing, as you said. Harris, kind of a win as well. Jamal's a win. But then you've just got a whole lot of mid to bad, like Rashad Perriman cut train camp. You said Josh Hill retired before the season started. Tyra Williams concussed on his first game for us, never played again. Tim Boyle, the laser show. But like you said, cut in camp and then went on to win AFC Special Teams Player of the Week, week one for the Titans. Cornelder, who stuck around so long that Spot Track literally did not record him actually playing for us. It just skips right from the Panthers to the Commanders. Dunbar, as you said, released, supposed to be sort of that stabilizing force in the cornerback room that we're still searching for. It's just, there's some definitely some good. There's some mid and there's some bad. It's over. It's just a mid free agency class. But what could we expect considering the situation Brad was walking into in terms of cap space and all that? He was working on a budget and he did the best he could, being a rookie GM, not really having the reputation to maybe negotiate with free agents and not a lot of cap space to be able to uh, negotiate with them either. Time to welcome to the show the man, the myth, the legends that is Anthony Fitzpatrick. How are you doing, man? I'm doing good, guys. Hope you are all well. All good. Uh, okay. Did you hear the list of free agent signings I just went down? Did you have any thoughts? Because I know that you have some thoughts about the state of the roster before they came along. Um, I sort of realised I've men in black some of these from my memory. I forgot Corn Elder was. <laughs> I forgot Corn Elder was a thing. I think specifically the corners. Like, there's a lot of corners who over the last five years I have obliterated from my memory because they've been so bad. Like him, Daryl Worley, guys like that. Oh, it was like it, this was bad times. Um, like. You know, I just it just makes me thankful every day while we're in the position we're in now. Like that that is where we were. This is where we are now, but there's a little bit of PTSD coming from some of those names. But again, not Brad's fault at that point because what money did he have to spend when he got here? He had two shiny pennies and like, you know, they don't get you very much. Romeo Aquara notwithstanding. The re-signings or new signings, none of them had more than 3.75 million APY. Uh, that's shocking. That is taking swings at, uh, a, 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 I don't know how to put it in baseball terms, because I said swing and now I'm, I'm committed to this bit. Swing at piñata. Strike. It's a strike. No, that's not what I mean. But like, um, uh, swinging at a curve and you're not good at it. That's that's where I go. Trouble with trouble with the curve. Um, See exactly. You went to baseball. Buyers, you have your buyers. He just swings at anything and misses everything. Yikes! I was my mind went to cricket, so I was just like, I've got to shut off because no one understands what a Yorker <laughs> means. Yes, just insert no. insert that picture of the cricket positions confusing everyone. So I said this at the time, and I'll say it again. Any player signed at that sort of level that doesn't work out, you get a pass because if you're signing. <laughs> I need to get a pin to put in that flag. Sorry for the audio listeners. My flag behind me fell and it put me off. If you sign someone for less than $3.75 million and they don't work out, so what? Like, that is not starter level money. And if you don't get a starter level player, fine. You took a swing and that's fine. If you do get something, 
That's a massive win. And depending on how much they provide to you, an even bigger win. We got the rights to Alex Anzalone. Look at where he is now. The first five or six games of the season, he was a top five linebacker in the NFL. And then down the stretch, his play tailed off a little bit, but he was still fantastically good. Khalif Raymond is one of the best, big, biggest big play merchants in the NFL. He may not provide a huge amount of yards, but in terms of being a returner and bringing him out for a deep ball on a play-action pass to beat Green Bay, for example, last season, season before last, now that we're into 2024, just little bits and pieces like that. Khalif was just that guy. Jamal Williams, for everything that's happened since, was a huge win for what he provided to this team. Charles Harris at one and three quarter million dollars and what he provided to this team was a huge win. And yes, Perryman was a loss and Williams was a loss. No one else is really of consequence there. Aquara is the big one because obviously you signed for big money and then got injured. And I think that hurts the overall grade because I am the only member of the Romeo Aquara fan club and don't, I know it at this point, but at the end of the day, he hasn't lived up to that deal. And that hurts me because he's a really damn good player who just got unfortunate because of injury. I think that he absolutely smashed it in this free agency class when you look back at it. Because he got contributors that three years on are still a big part of this team. I mean, if you're shopping in Poundland and you find something worth more than a pound, that's like... You know, some bonus, isn't it? You, you only need to get a couple right. You get a couple right in free agency. You get a couple right in the draft. That That's all you need. You're going to land on an entire class there. And, I mean, God, look at it. Like, Josh Hill didn't even do anything with us. I don't even think he made it here before he retired or whatever. You know, yeah. Terrell injured early on. But it kind of showed you the tone Brad set early with Brashad Perryman. Like, Paid him a few million dollars, and he's like, "Actually, you suck. We're not going to keep you. I'm not going to. I'm not going to blow this money. Yeah, you know, well, money's blown, but you're not good enough. Like, I made a mistake. I admit it. And then and that's a great thing with Brad. Like, he, he, even early on, if he knows he's made a mistake, he'll hold his hands accountable, and he'll he'll just deal with the problem then and there, which he did. So it's rough. But like you say, when you just land on a few guys, that's that's all you need to be successful. And 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 he did. Like you said, there's still pieces around now who were big for us, and. So overall, you do classify as win. Again, you look at the money, like the odds of hitting on so many of these guys when you're paying them, like you said, less than three and three quarter million dollars a year. The fact that you've still got a few of them knocking round is pretty good because usually none of them would still be here after three years. Yeah, absolutely. So can I push you guys for an overall grade on the signings that he made? And I mean, whatever you feel. It doesn't really matter, but just just a vague ballpark idea. Yeah, I, I would I would push strongly for a B plus. I was about to say B plus A minus cool. because, as you quite rightly put, with that little amount of money, yes, okay, there was misses, but as you said, we've got an all pro in there. Khalif Raymond was an all pro last year returner, and that, and yes, okay, Romeo didn't turn up because of the ACL tear, but JRM. Obviously, they went and chased money the season after, as we'll come on to in a bit. There's contributors in there and there's signings, and yet everyone else is, for the most part, the ones that misses as well aren't around anymore. Like Tyrone's obviously had to retire medically. Josh Hill retired. Tim Boyle 
God knows what he's doing. Rashad Perriman's out of the league. Randy Bullock, I don't know where he is. Damien Ratley's retired. Cornelda's retired. Quinton Dunbar's retired. Dean Marlowe, I think, is a special team. And now Atlanta. Mike Ford, I think, is still playing for the Cardinals as a special teamer. Don Mule Baxter, special assistant for us. There's not really much wrong there. Like, obviously, at the time, it felt wrong. So, Cardi's aren't contributing. But now it's, with hindsight, we can look back and say, with what we had to us, this is the best we could do. So there's no down marks for Brad. Bear with me. I'm just redoing things so that everyone can see what we're looking at. And I think that might actually make it easier for everyone. So there we go. Hopefully everyone that, that helps a little bit. All right. So if you if you're not on the audio if you're on the audio show and you're not on the YouTube and Twitch then you can't see the spreadsheet that we're going through. So there we go. Um if you if you want to see it, it's there. Um right, we have the players that we didn't sign and and whether these were good decisions or not, how well they did elsewhere. Jamal Agnew, wide receiver, went to Jacksonville for three years, $14.25 million. Gerard Davis, the linebacker, one year, $7 million to the New York Jets. Marvin Jones Jr. left us, the wide receiver, to go to Jacksonville as well, two years, $13.5 million. Matt Prater, kicker, went to Arizona, two years, six and a half. Reggie Ragland, the linebacker, to the Giants, one year, 1.3. Ode Abushi, the guard, to the Chargers, one year, 1.75. Miles Killebrew, the special teams extraordinaire and safety to Pittsburgh, one year, 1.3 million. Kenny Golladay was not tanked, and he went to the Giants, the wide receiver, for four years, $72 million. That gave us the comp pick that gave us Kirby Joseph. What fun. Uh, Daryl Roberts, the cornerback, one year, $1.6 million with Washington. Mohamed Sanu went to San Francisco, one year, one million dollars the wide receiver Daron Harmon the safety one year 1.2 million dollars from Arizona uh Christian Jones the linebacker went to Chicago for 1.2 mil Desmond Trufant and Justin Coleman the corners went to Vegas and maybe they weren't Vegas at the time not sure and the Miami Dolphins for 1.1 and 2.75 million dollars respectively Jesse James the tight end went to Chicago for 1.7 Chase Daniel went to Chargers for two Danny Shelton the Giants for 1.3. Uh, other players that I did not look into further because I really couldn't be bothered at this point. I'd lost the will to live. Adrian Peterson, Danny Amendola, Everson Griffin, Tony McRae, Russell Bodine, and Joe Dahl. Um, I would say, and I don't know about you guys, that the player who went on to have the best career after they left the Lions was Matt Prater. Maybe? What a bag and nothing otherwise. Sorry. I was about to say Odo Bushi was actually a really damn good guard for the Chargers after uh, that season after. But yeah, mm. Prater, Abushi, Killebrew, who's still a contributor for the Steelers special teams. Ag I guess Agnew, because he stuck around with the Jags and he's their return and he's done some things. But yeah, other than that, like other people he didn't did, said that he didn't have contract details for, that's because they literally did not play again. Because I went for it, as you know, so I was sitting through. Literally did not play again. Like, obviously, Peterson re-retired. Amadola retired. Griffin retired. McRae didn't have got anywhere. Bodie never got anywhere. Joe Dahl never got anywhere. Like Shame for Joe parts, Dahl. He was a good yeah, career he was backup. A good, yeah. yeah. He, he is 
and I know he's going to be mentioned later. He was the original Tommy Kramer. Mm. A uh, couple of notes from people. Lost Ocean saying Marvin Jones did okay in Jacksonville. He did okay, but they were more than happy when he left too. Carlton Wood pointing out that Miles Killebrew has been exceptional, especially yeah. for Pittsburgh. Absolutely, completely agree. Lester White brought that up, but also saying Jamal Agnew also excelled on special teams. I actually think he excelled on special teams in Detroit. I'm not sure yeah. he was quite as good in Jacksonville. Yeah, he had. He was not as good as he was here. He was a leader, but he was the original, <laughs> again, the original Leaf us. Like, I remember his three punt return touchdowns in the season. Dude was electric. Yeah. We just didn't know how to use him outside of that. Mm. At least with Leaf, we know how to use him. And your thoughts on who we let go and maybe a grade for the not signings as opposed to the signings? Because I do think you can get this right or wrong, right? Like, as far as I'm concerned, in terms of Brad, that is an A triple star, like not re-signing. There is not a single one of those guys I would take back here. Not one. Um, and I think that kind of says everything about it. I know people will say Prater and that, but at the end of the day... I said it when we got rid of him. We needed to go through the kicking woes. The player's getting older. Like, he's going to need to be replaced eventually. I'd rather have done it earlier than later. And you've seen, we've had problems. If we'd have sort of kicked this down the line a couple of years and the kicker thing was really biting us in the ass now, which probably still is, but hey-ho, you know, it wouldn't have been good for us. And and out the others now, like, I don't miss any of them. You talk about the likes of Killebrew. This is why I had the big thing with special teams and this. It's guys like Killebrew. Like, they'll stick around on special teams, but they'll do bugger all for your actual team. Reese Mabin is an example of a guy who got better, like, because I had the same issue with him. He got better and contributed on this team, and he has a future going forward. That's what your special teamers are meant to do. They're meant to start on special teams and progress through to your team. That, that like, That's the best way to do it. He doesn't. Uh, don't miss any of them. I think it was tremendous that he let them all go. Apart, apart from Kenny, like I will always be the like what if with Kenny, and I know I'm always the like I just damn it, I wish he'd stayed here. I do, but at the end of the day it proved to be the right decision. So I, I think he knocked it out of the park. I I don't miss a single one of them outside of Kenny, really, but we know what happened then. I know that you had kind of been listening in and, and were active in the chat before you came on. And did you have any thoughts about this draft class and the trades? 2021? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I know I know which one you're waiting for me to talk about. I, I saw that D in there. Um, yeah. Not everybody gets all their draft gates, right? He's still here. Like, you can't you can't yeah. give a guy who's still here a D. It could happen. It's not, I mean, but it could. <laughs> if you heard my explanation, I if it wasn't for the Pittsburgh game, I would have gave it an F. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's a seventh round in it. Like these exactly. guys, they do exactly. You, you live exactly. and learn. Yeah, you know, like Jamar's <laughs> not going to do it. So I know. I agree. I agree. I, I I think I agree across the board really with. Um, with everything there, I think. Let me just double check. I've got the grades up here, but I, I don't think there's anything I'm really gonna. Levi, Aleem, if he did, did, did. Now nah, I think you nailed that pretty much. The trades, yeah, yeah. I, I, I. No, no, um, no real dissent from me there. Okay, even, so, even with Jamar. <laughs> so the draft was an A plus. The trades was a B plus. 
the signings in free agency were a B plus and the not signings were an A plus overall. So an A plus, a B plus, a B plus, and an A plus. The overall grade for the season for Brad Holmes. Okay. I think I think that's more than fair. Uh, why do I, I I want to type in the in the spreadsheet and I keep typing in the live chat and I just put A or C or whatever in the live chat and everyone goes, "What is he doing?" Sorry, guys. I, maybe I'm, you're just maybe you're just Canadian at heart. A A maybe or I'm trying to steal Chris's mantle as being an adequate host. But never mind. Let's move on to 2022 otherwise we're gonna be here for a heck of a long show uh pick two round one pick two aiden hutchinson in michigan the defensive end pick 12 round one pick 12 jameson williams from alabama the wide receiver pick 46 14th pick in the second round was josh pascal from kentucky the defensive end Pick number 97 the 33rd pick in the third round kirby joseph the safety from illinois Pick 177, the 34th pick in the fifth round, James Mitchell, the tight end from Virginia Tech. Pick 188, that's pick nine in the sixth round, Malcolm Rodriguez, the linebacker from Oklahoma State. Pick 217, the 38th pick of the sixth round was James Houston from Jacksonville State, the defensive end, slash linebacker. And pick 237, the 16th pick in the seventh round, Chase Lucas, the cornerback nickelback from Arizona State. The overall class thoughts before we progress to individual grades, fellas. Still pretty damn good. Like, Hutch is Hutch. <laughs> we all know how much I love Kirby. Jamer's really come on. Pascal's come on. James Mitchell. He's definitely got a role. Got to remember, this is the, this in his rookie season, he did not drop a pass. Had some issues with injuries, but he's still got a role here. Malcolm, still got a role here. James Houston still got a role here. Lucas, obviously on the futures deal, but he's a damn good gunner and is a good backup corner. They've got roles here. Like again, there's not really any major misses. I think the way to describe this is, you know, this draft is they've all contributed. Like year one was the draft of like the five picks below, like Kirby, Malcolm, James, you know, these guys really contributed year one, the later guys, and it was the higher picks people were like, hmm, you know, you know, obviously we didn't really see Jameson or Pascal because of his injuries. And then sort of year two, it's it's flipped a little bit. Obviously, Aiden's had a fantastic year. Jamo's acclimated into the system now. He's looking every bit the stud. We thought he was going to be Pascal starting to come on. And then, like, the back half guys, obviously, Malcolm's had to take a back seat. You know, Houston's been injured. Kirby's sort of had his second year. You know, guys guys do this, you know. So there's nothing wrong there. They've all shown they can contribute to this team, I think, pretty much, apart from Lucas, who's sort of been scrapping away on the practice squad and that, trying to get in there. But I think if you've learned anything from Brad's drafts, you would be very, I, I you know, I have a lot of faith in this draft bus because, you know, we've Brad's picks take different amounts of times to germinate until they get into the team and they start doing everything right. But we've seen a little bit from everybody to show that they can contribute here. We know Houston can play in this team. We know Malcolm can, can, can play in this team. We know Kirby can be a centerpiece of this team. We know James Mitchell can be. 
when he's healthy. And of course, we know that, you know, the first few picks now are starting to get in there. Like Pascal's the one where the questions are like, he's the one who needs the big year three bump. Um, So like, just to show, you know, like define his place in the team. Like, because that, that'd be the thing. I think it's to define his place in the team and what he's going to be, what he's going to do. But I like the draft class. You know, I, I I do like them. I think they're all going to, I think most of them will be here to a second contract, which is always a good thing. I, th- I think a lot of them are going to be here a long time. They're all going to contribute. So it was good overall. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Let's go through individual grades then. Aiden Hutchinson at this point. What do we think? The A plus. I don't disagree. And. Yeah, yeah. I think, so to put it into context, I was thinking, okay, for the second overall pick, would you want more? And then I was like, what would have been a better pick? So I thought I'd have a look at the class. The only two people I think, sorry, I shouldn't say that because it's not true. There's four players who I think have had in the running for as good of run as Hutchinson has had in the class. And they are Source Gardner at four, Garrett Wilson at 10, Chris Olave at 11, and Carl Hamilton at 14. Those are the four from the class who've been the most exceptional, who feasibly could be picked there. And I don't think I'd trade Hutchinson for any of them. So at pick two, personally, you got the best player in the draft. It's a win. And you have a look at what he did in January this year, December and January. He was incredible. Yeah, that's what did it. I think he notched. I think if he'd not have had that last six games, he'd probably be an A minus or maybe a B plus yeah. at this moment in time. That last six games is where he went from good edge rusher to number two overall pick caliber edge rusher. He needs to continue that going forward, but. He's shown he can be that guy. So, as you say, there's not many others you would substitute him in with there. So, yeah, that, that, those last six games really swung this one on and on and upward. But he'd have got an A regardless, I think. You've got to take into account, like, the help he's had, what he's been through, personal growth, all that, yada, yada, yada. It's not easy being a franchise guy. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. A plus for him. Right, Jameson Williams, pick 12, wide receiver, Alabama. And? Uh, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to say he's an A. Because I know it's it's not translated on the field yet, but I think we've seen enough now to know that he is, you know, we wanted to draft a game changer there. Like someone who can break open a game, who... You can do a little bit of everything with. We've seen him how we use him in motion on the end rounds, etc. We've seen him have his game breaking speed downfield, etc. All like I've seen the player there alike, and it's taken two years. Yes, and I know people might grade it on that, but you know he didn't really play the first year. Then there was the gambling stuff, which was a pain in the eye. It's just sort of been stop start, but he's had his first You know, he's had his first run of games where he's been healthy. He's been up to speed and he's been a big part of this team. And I think he is what we drafted. Um, might be a bit high for the moment, but no, I, I think we got what we wanted with him. And I think we will continue to have an absolute superstar stub with him. It'll get better as the years go by and they start using him more. 
Ash? I'm going to be a bit harsher, unfortunately. Because, yeah, like it has been stop-start, partly because of the injury. But in my mind, I've got to weigh the gambling stuff in a tiny bit because it did have an effect. Like, when you're picked... that, Maybe it's me being a bit harsh on him, but if you're picked that high and the team places that much trust in you, yes, partly might down to be the NFL not really educating you on the rules, but the rules are there and you've, you've got to follow them. They might be dumb, they might be stupid, they do need changing, but if the rules are there, follow them as best as you can. Don't don't do what that. I know I've seen it wasn't just him as we'll come on to, there were other players in the facility doing it, but he, he, at end, the end of the season, he's definitely come around, he's coming to the offense, but it's taken a while for him to get there, part because of the injury, part because he set himself back on that gambling stuff and there was that aura of immaturity about him. Now he's definitely maturing and I trust him a lot more, but there's still just in that mind that little like, flashing bulb of still a warning. I'm not 100% there with him yet, which is why I'm at like A minus B plus because he certainly can get there. He can be a game-changing receiver, but I need to see it on a bit more consistent scale. Like at least with Hutch, yes, he wasn't getting the 100. He wasn't getting all the pressures in that, but he was consistent. There. You can see the work with J-Mo, partly it's because of the way he's been schemed up, partly because of the stuff he's done himself. You just haven't had that impact that maybe you're looking for for that first-round pick that we've had from Hutch, that we've had from Saul, that we've had from our first-round picks this year, in a way. I'm just not 100% there. Like, he can get there. I just want to see it a bit more this season. See the 800, uh, 800 yards, like 60 catches, 800 yards, five touchdowns. Just see that consistent production that we need for him. Because maybe it's me bringing in the trade as well as we get on to we came up for him as well. We put extra faith in him and it hasn't been fully rewarded yet. The way you were talking, I thought I was going to be the one that's the medium one here, but I'm not. I'm lower than both of you, which kind of makes me a bit sad. Um, but it's nothing to do with the gambling stuff. He has... If I'm grading what I think he will be for the rest of his rookie contract, it's an easy A. But if I'm having a look at his body of work today for the 12th overall pick, when I just mentioned Garrett Wilson and Alave going two and one pick earlier, like, he's nowhere close to those two. In terms of the body of work today, I don't mean the player that they're going to be because I think Jameson's going to be the best of them. But... He he went from, frankly, in, in year one, being crap. Like, couldn't find the ball in the air. Just looking all at sea. Like, you, it was it was tough to put him on the field in year one. Like, he just didn't look like him and Goff were ever going to sort it out. And that got better last year. Deep balls... The ball's got to hang up long enough in the FN to locate it, and he's got to get better at that. But I'm I'm confident he's going to be the best wide receiver in the class. And so I, I've put your A- minus in there because I'm trying to factor that in. But he's been a disappointment still, like in terms of what he's provided. The thing that saves him is that down the stretch, he was in there for some of our biggest moments. The Superman leap, 
and then the the end around against San Francisco. The thing that was really great towards the end of the season is he started catching crosses and comeback routes and that sort of thing where if he's going to live in the NFL, that needs to be where he's making his money because the only way he's going to be able to burn people over the top is if they're worried about him catching it short. So hooks, curls, comebacks, he needs to be doing that. And he started showing it, which is the real thing that starts to give me a bit of excitement about what's going on. But I feel like a dick now. (laughs) Sorry, I've put a minus because I feel like that's maybe the consensus of where we're going to end up. I don't uh, think there's, a, there's not a wrong answer here. You're right in everything you say, like, you know, for what you paid, you know, is the body of work right so far? I just do think, I do think for me, the one that does give it to me is there is an argument that the team have misused him as well. Yes. Like, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. that is where, yeah. that is where, because like, for example, I mean, what was it? The big one against Tampa that he got, like, you know, you get him into the game, you've got to give the notion of that threat, of his threat. And how many times did we say that? Like, get him a couple of passes early. Like, you know, make teams think, oh, actually, they are going to throw to this dude. And there just seems to be so many times, like you say, he's not done the hooks or the curls or anything, but I don't think the team have given him that. They've just had him run goes and stuff like that. And Yeah, yeah, it's it, female practice. If, if, we're, it, it if we're having a look at Holmes, we shouldn't be having a go at Campbell and the OC and the wide receivers coach for... Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we should be having a go at them and not at homes. Yeah, because you know a lot is put on rookies for that. You know, rookies have got to integrate to the NFL, but sometimes teams they have to integrate to the player as well. Because JMO is far different to anything we've had during this tenure and all these like completely different. And I think that they've had some growing pains as well as the player. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. where it evens it for me. Like that's why I kind of think I'm a bit more lenient with it. All right, Josh Pascal, we spent a lot of time on that, but I feel like it's a contentious player, so maybe we can rattle through these a bit more now. Josh Pascal, round two, pick 14, defensive end, Kentucky. What do we think? B minus. See, I'm going to give Pascal a C, and that seems mean, but it's not. That's like me still being in the middle with him. I've not seen bad. And I've not seen Uber Gray either. I, I need to see which direction he's going to go. I still think he's going to be good. But again, got to find a definition for him in this team. I don't know what he is at the minute. He's been getting He's taken over the commission role. He is that I think sort so. of yeah, I, I, base. He's that base end that slides inside on passing downs. It, it, he obviously did start out that way because he was coming off the sports hurling and stuff. But after the bye this year, as people who listen to podcast know, he did start getting consistent reps there and grew. Yeah, he's still got a place. He's got still got time to go. He needs to work on his tackling. His mistake rate's a bit poor and he needs to work a bit more for pass rush plan. But he's getting there. If we, he could have that sort of jump that we've seen from Iffy, from Barnes, where with more consistent snaps, he'll get there. So maybe it's me chucking the copium a bit and thinking, projecting a bit. I think I've seen enough improvement from him at the end of the season to extrapolate that a bit and think if he continues playing those snaps this season, he might get there. Obviously, we might always say this, and then we draft like Trice in uh, at the end of the first round, and suddenly he's relegated to being a rotational piece. <laughs> Don't scare Ant like that. Um, I, I'm in the middle of both of you, so I'm I, I'm happily putting a C plus. I yeah. think the thing that hurt him in 2022 was that he got injured, and then 
at the end, the start of 2023, he got injured. And that's not on Brad. And actually, when he did get healthy, I thought in the middle of this season, um, Green Bay, Saints games, he kind of put together a good stretch. And that's all, all the first sort of whispers of him showing that he is capable of doing this. Now just show us the consistency because he did have some bad games in there too. I, I was actually going to say, you say he's taken over the commish role. I wanted to say about that really, but I don't think he separated himself from commish, really. Not in my mind anyway. So maybe he took a few more reps and yet the final three games of the year, he had 43, 32 and 36 snaps. The most reps he had in a game was uh, Minnesota, the game before that, with 60. But we were resting people then. Before that, he got 38, 34, 43, 31, 43, 29, 26. Like, all season, he's been getting about 60% of the reps. So I still feel like Kamish is taking a significant chunk out of his role because he hasn't separated himself yet. Yeah, Again, yeah, oh, yeah. It, this is it. This is not on him himself. Like I said, it's just been a stop start. I think it's been a product of like the injuries and as you say, yeah. etc. That he's not been able to carve out his niche yet. Yeah, like all these there. Brad Holmes picks, they carve out their niche eventually, and they find where they are. Pascal's still looking for his home right now and being able to nail it and make it his. Like mm -hmm. that's the only thing with him at the minute. So. I, I, I going in forward in the future, and at this time next year, you know, you won't be using a C, you'll be using Bs, etc. But just for now, while he finds his yeah. home, while he gets there, while the inconsistency sorted out, I think, I think C pluses. I, th I think overall, I think that would be fair. All right to say, Kirby Joseph, number ninety-seven, thirty-third pick in the third round, safety from Illinois. Let's not go to Ash first. Let's let's go to Ant first. How are you feeling on Kirby? Oh, yeah, just put me up while his number one fan's in the building here. Can, yeah, well, can, I can't can, put can, him can up do, because he's not can, can capable we do of being can we just, objective. Can we just write our grades down on a piece of paper and, like, hand them to you and then, you know, we don't we don't need to know. It's all... The secret no. ballot. <laughs> secret ballot grading where we, we average out whatever Ash is going to give him. So, you know, you know what? And with all due respect to Curbs, I, I would give him a B for what I've seen from him so far. Like, I think... Year one was an A. I think year two was a C. But it's not a bad thing. It's like year two growth in this league. Like, it happens It happens to every player. You have one go around, and then year two, when the expectation is there. And, and don't, let's not forget, he's been in a room where Tracy Walker has not really been playing very well and then just was out of the team full stop. CJ Gardner-Johnson, the big guy, was meant to be in there, stopped. And what have you got in there with him? you got Branch, who's a rookie, and you got Iffy, who's been finding his identity in the team as well. This is not like a room where he's had an established veteran with him, snap by snap, helping him lead. He's had to learn the hard way. It's trial by fire with him. So what you've got out of two years so far, you've got a really good starting year in his rookie year, and you've had the bumps in the second year, but at the same point, you've still seen periods of really good play from him. You know, you're just seeing rookie errors at the moment, and that's not illegal for a rookie to do. So I think overall, you've spent around three pick on him, for a guy who's played two years now, recently as a star, has looked a lot of snaps. He's shown a lot more good than he has bad. Like, so you'd hope in now in year three, this is where, you know, you've had your hot, you've had a little bit of cold. Now you find that nice temperature in the middle where you're going to see the play. He's going to be consistently 
for years to come. I think I think B's fair. I don't I don't think after year two you could if you knocked it out twice, you'd give it a big A. But I think for now, I think B's very fair. That is me. I'm gonna go now because we'll get the hopium at the end. Um but I'm gonna be kinder than than Ant has been. Was I unkind? I, no. I feel like that's unkind to say I was unkind. Okay, double negative. You're, you're right. I I am going to be more 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 praising of of Kirby because he got drafted at number ninety seven overall, and I think that when you get down to the bottom of the third round, you get into comp pick territory. You say about this person, "I hope they can be a starter eventually." That is where I set my expectation for that level of pick. And if you're telling me that you have a two-year starter that had an amazing year and then a down year, but still for a down year was fine. Like, it wasn't a bad year. It just wasn't as good as the previous year. I think that's absolutely knocked it out of the park. Like, you say Tracy Walker didn't play and, and wasn't particularly good. Well, he would have played if Kirby wasn't there, though. And for for a late day two pick, that's exceptionally good drafting for me. So I'm on the fringes of B plus A minus territory here. And I think I'm leaning towards A minus because it's not just how good is the pick now, but if you project it out without too much hopium, where do you think he's going to be? I think he's our starting safety for a long time. As long as he doesn't want too much money come re-signing time that he could be here for a long time, that he has the upside of being one of the better safeties in the NFL if he can recapture the, the consistency that he, we saw in year one. I'm hopeful of that. He's shown that he can do it. If he'd shown last year's level the previous year and he'd been a starter all the way through, this would be significantly lower because we hadn't quite seen it yet, but we've seen it. And if you have a look at people like... Um, oh, who was the... the um, uh, Derek Stingley. In college, had an amazing first year, then two kind of down years, got drafted third overall, has been fantastic for Houston because he had shown he could do it and that's what he was drafted for. For some reason, DBs, it doesn't really matter how good you were last year. It's how good have you been and is it realistic that we see you there again? Kirby's shown it. So for me, I think A- minus is where I pitch it. As if the person... With the copium is going to be actually in the middle of you guys with B plus. All right. Thank you, Ash. I feel like that justifies my stance a little bit now. It does, uh, you know, because uh, I completely, I completely agree. Like Kirby coming in, vindication, again, vindication. <laughs> Kirby coming in. It's the same kind of argument we had with Derek, uh, Derek Barnes. He'd only really played safety at college for one year before that. He was a receiver, so he was still getting there. But what did he show at college? Great coverage range and great hands getting interceptions. What did we see year one? That kind of stuff. Yeah, he had a sophomore slump, but that's because he was being asked to do more of the what we call like the traditional stuff. So, as I keep saying, if we just stuck him at a single high and asked him to do that, he does have like oh Thomas potential to be the best single high safety in the league because the elite coverage range, ball hawking instincts, and he understands the receiver position, but. In this kind of scheme and in the modern day NFL, you need to still do the run defense and that. And it's stuff he's worked on this year. Yes, the coverage has seemingly then took a lapse because of that. Keeps taking bad angles on the deep passes, gambling, trying to get those interceptions, and it either leads to those interceptions or pass breakups about 
20% of the time, the other 80% of the time, he's giving up a catch. He needs to sort of work on... Uh, the way I put it is, he needs to work on getting those sort of net neutral plays where it's not really good or bad. He's either having really spectacular plays or really dismal plays, especially in the past game. If you can sort of bring those dismal plays up to net neutral, we've got a great safety on our hands because it's worked on the tackling, it's worked on the running sticks because he really didn't need to do that in Illinois. And he's, and as you said, he's got, he's got. We know he has inception instincts. Like that interception against the Raiders this year against Jimmy G was really good. This is the guy that literally got Aaron Rodgers out of our division. Caught the last ever pass that Aaron Rodgers ever probably going to throw at Lambeau. He's got it there, but yeah, there's stuff to work on. And if he can bounce back this season and get back to kind of what he was in the first year, yeah, a a minus a grade. If he sticks at this level, then maybe he has to go down to that B, B minus because, yeah, it's all well and good having those flashes. But as we've seen with CJ GJ, who, bear in mind, last season, the season before this one, led the league in inceptions doing a similar role to Kirby. It's very, it's a very high, not high probability. What's the word I'm looking for? Like high range of outcomes kind of thing where, yeah, he won, yeah, he could be. Seven interceptions, leading the league, absolutely looking great. But the next year, because that turnover luck isn't there, he could be shit. Yeah. And right now, I just want to see that range of outcomes just come in a bit towards where, yeah, we might lose some of those interceptions. We might come down to five interceptions, but he's making good, consistent plays in the run game and he isn't really giving up 20-yard passes. I'll be a happy boy then. I, I, the only thing I would say in response to that, is that everyone knows now, because PFF preach it all the time, whether you agree with it or not, I, I don't care. I, I subscribe to this theory of, of one of the many things that PFF talk about. Offense is more sustainable, and you should expect more consistency from offensive players, because what they do is more dependent on them. Conversely, defense is less sustainable, is more up and down, because what they do is more dependent on what the offensive player does the same virtue of the other side of what I just said. So defensive play is going to swing and it really comes down to what do you believe? So unless you're Leo Leo Chanel, you won two Super Bowls already getting picked later on. That is one of my best ever draft takes is that he was one of the better (laughs) players in that draft. Sorry, Ash, I apologize. That was not meant for you. I was doing that against (laughs) Matt, actually. Sorry, Ash, I forgot. That was actually not meant against you. I was Matt's there preaching like consistency on defense not been there. I said, well, Chanel's won two Super Bowls. <laughs> I did not mean that. To... Sorry, you got caught in crossfire there, and I apologize. Do you think I deserved it for the Jamal Jefferson talk? Oh, I just have done. Right, let's move on. Let's move on. <laughs> Before I gloat. Um, James Mitchell, pick 34, round five, tight end, Virginia Tech. I'll start by pitching this at a C, flat C. I think that for a fifth, late fifth rounder, the fact that he is a reliable tight end three, which they didn't try and look to upgrade at all this season because they still believed in him, is exactly what I expected from that pick. He had a really good year one when he came back from injury, but it was limited. Last year was Legit a disappointment. We expected more. Still kind of hurt by injury a little bit in the offseason, I think. Um, And yet I retain hope that he's going to come good. I mean, his ceiling is still pretty high. It's just unlikely now. But I think he can get there. Equally, 
if someone said we're going to upgrade from him, I wouldn't be like, oh no, that's really bad for James. Oh, I feel really bad for him because, like, yeah, okay, it sucks, but but okay, I could see that. At the same time, still really like the player. So I think a C is fair from my perspective. What about you guys? B minus. Like I'm close. As I said, that rookie, I can't get out of my he my words. I think this past season he was underutilizing the pass game for someone, as I keep repeating, did not drop a pass in year one. I think he was severely underusing the pass game. And yeah, I know he was a decent blocker in year one, but and Ant can back me up because he obviously was onto him a lot more than me, and then he put me onto him, and I agreed. The pack, the blocking was actually the kind of thing that needed a bit of work. Like he had all the effort in the world, he just needed that technique refined. So we kind of I it's kind of the same uh, like thing we were saying with Jamer, I think Mitchell was kind of misused a bit this year. And if we do introduce him back into the pass game a bit more this year, it will give him that confidence boost to maybe uh, to bring that blocking back up. And he could be damn good tight end too. And those are valuable in the league. Look at teams like the Ravens and the Falcons that use two tight ends quite a lot, like we want to. That second tight end can be pretty damn valuable if the other guys get focused on, like Laporta will be next year. That might mean more plays for Mitchell and right for in the past game. So Mitchell could really have a bounce back third year and could stake a claim for a viable option going forward for us. See, this is a day of like surprises here because I never thought I'd be the one who'd be the lowest on it. I feel like Ooh. I have to No, I feel like for the sake of my credibility, because I big JMO up a lot. Like, a lot. I really liked the pick when it was made. And I don't think at this moment, in time, I know he's had his injuries and there's little bits there, but I've also seen the likes of Silstra and Wright and, like, that come in and carve out niches for themselves and, and do something in this team. I feel like he's under-delivered so far compared to what I would have liked from him. I'm not going to go all the way because, again, there are extenuating circumstances for that, but I would give him a C- minus for now. I still believe he's going to come good, but, you know, I, I have to try and look at this unbiasedly because I did love him and he's not delivered for me so far. And I can't, I can't like be on the positive side about it. I've got to be critical. Nope. I'm, so, I love it. I'm I'm here for it. I think the average of the three grades is, is where we started out with a, with a C then in that case. So we're taking that. Malcolm Rodriguez, pick nine, round six, Oklahoma State linebacker. Uh, in, in the same way that I did this to Ash for Kirby, I'm going to do this to Ant for Malcolm. Ash, you're taking the lead on this one. Malcolm, what do you make of him? B. Like, exploded onto the scene in that rookie of all the special teams tackles and run defence and that. But he was picked on for his size in a way, but the coverage and kind of got phased out a bit towards the end of that season, partly because that part because he was wearing tear because he was playing so much. And then this season, obviously, he's kind of falling into that linebacker four role that wasn't getting much play on defence. Points was getting more snaps on offence and defence because we needed someone in that linebacker room. But at least he's taken, he's got that one niche, as I said earlier. He's a menace on special teams. So maybe it's that sort of range of outcomes because we've seen the great with him where if he gets a lot of snaps on defence and it's all working well for him, he's an absolute demon and he can be a starting linebacker. 
but at the same time, we've seen points where he's barely made an impact on the field. So in the kind of the middle of his ranges, he's a good linebacker three, four with special teams upside. So yeah, just like an average kind of B for me. Right. I'm going to go now because I did that as well when I was looking at Kirby. And I'm going to do exactly what I did with, with Kirby potentially and uh, and bump this up. Because Malcolm was a top of the sixth round player. And exactly what I said about Kirby, you hope he can eventually become a starter because he's drafted at the bottom of the third. If you draft someone as the ninth pick in the sixth round, I am hoping that you play at all. Like, that's my expectation. Hopefully you get on the field. And he was a starter year one because no linebacker could hang with him. And yeah, teams figured him out a little bit with his height, but he proved that he is basically at this point in his career an exceptionally good career backup at, at linebacker. He comes in, you have to change the scheme a little bit to protect him in certain ways, but that he's going to go out there and do his job to the best of his ability for you and you don't have to worry about him not understanding what his role is. So, yes, they may be able to pass over him or get a tight end on him and, and you know, that's going to be hard, but that when it comes to defending the run, he's going to fill his gap and, you know, there's not going to be any missed assignments, which is what this regime preaches. And that on special teams, he's the best player on it. Like, I can't sit here and think I love Miles Killebrew and I love Jamie Lewis Mabin without expressing my love for Malcolm Rodriguez. There are some sixth rounders who go on to have better careers. There's no doubt about that. So I'm pitching this A minus. And so I am also going to go A minus. I do believe he's been a terrific pick. If you look at the linebackers in that draft, you have to go Ash close to Rears. Um, you have to go all the way up to a certain linebacker taken early on. Like all the other linebackers between him and him, like no one's even come close to what Malcolm's done. There are picks before him who just, you know, for what he's done to come in year one into a room that wasn't set at the time, like Barnes wasn't performing. Anzalone was still growing into his role there. You know, he comes in, performs really well in his rookie year for a sixth round. He does it all throughout camp. He shows the right attitude, comes in day one, earns himself a spot on that roster in front of guys like Jared Davis, all these vets who were expecting to walk into jobs, and he gets it. Goes through a really good first year, tails off a little bit, yeah, get it, but it's a long season. He took a knock towards the end of it. You know, you've got a lot out of him year one, but what I've loved most about him, like year two, people will say it's a tail off because he's not played as much, but it's still the attitude you're getting with the player. He's not complained. He's worked his ass off on special teams. He has done a lot of good work on there for us. And then when he has been needed, when Barnes got injured towards the end of the season and he came in and immediately first drive, two of the three plays he makes... Like, he comes in, he doesn't miss a beat. Every single time you call on Malcolm Rodriguez, he delivers for you. He is the plucky little linebacker who does not get told no. And what he offers to this team for where he was picked is invaluable. And, you know, where he's going to go in the future, you know, when Jack Campbell starts to develop, if Derek keeps going on the route he is, etc., you know, how is he going to get into the team? Who knows? But... All I know is you know, he will give everything for this team. And I think the value we've got for the pick is tremendous. 
Um, it great may go down over time if he stops playing, etc. But year two's it it you know yeah he's he's not done what he did year one, but for me it's been more impressive the attitude he's shown and what he's done when he has been called upon after after having waited for so long. See, for me, the reason I was going to say the reason that I was lower is I was using the same logic we applied from Mitchell to Rodrigo because there's only a, yeah. there's not even a gap of 10 picks between them. It's 177 to 188, and they've had similar career arcs in a way. Obviously, Mitchell had a slower start because of the injury in that, but they've both had similar arcs. So if Mitchell's a C, that's why I was like, Malcolm has definitely done a lot more than Mitchell has. But the fact that they've kind of had that same arc where they had a really good rookie year and a second year, not so much. That's why I was a bit close to them because they've kind of done the same. Rodrigo's obviously a bit better, which is why he was a higher grade, but it's the same kind of thing. They're both probably going to stick around, have roles, but I, yeah, an A, an a I for can, me I can get it. Yeah, yeah. I get I, it. I, the, I, only, the only justification for like the difference I'm doing here is Mitchell should not have been that low in the draft. He's coming into that draft at that position because of injury. He should have been a third-round pick. He should have been higher. Rodrigo's coming as an undersized linebacker, which traditionally struggles in the NFL. That That's kind of where I differentiate. I don't see yeah. them as 10 picks in the draft. It was kind of circumstance drew them closer together. But I, I can understand the, I can understand the logic. Yeah, I, I, I definitely do as well. But at the end of the day, I, I can't sit here now and tell you that I think that when their careers are all said and done, that I think that Mitchell's going to have a better career than Rodrigo. I think Rodrigo's going to have a much bigger career on average from this point onwards. And I think that's partially my differentiator as well. Rodrigo fills a more valuable role with the team. In, in terms of the special team's ability at the very least, but also the backup linebacker at the moment is seeing more play than the tight end three. So maybe that changes, and I hope it does, because Mitchell's upside is really big. But is he going to get there, and is he going to get the opportunity? I mean... There is a world where we do upgrade that tight end position in this draft and he doesn't make the team. You can't say that with Rodrigo. Rodrigo's making the team. So... A, kind of, I yeah. would be shocked if we drafted a tight end. Like a... I would be shocked. I mean, if we, dra if we trade down as many times as we did last year and then we don't subsequently trade up for a defensive tackle at the bottom of the third round and keep all of those late picks, I could see us drafting one. But yeah, it's, it's unlikely. Um, I will say Rodrigo has the second highest average value uh, contributed of all sixth round picks in that draft. He is below Jamari Sawyer of the Chargers, the offensive lineman. Oh, Otherwise, yeah, he's course, the second yeah. best draft pick if that sixth round. So... Anyway, let's move on to James Houston, Jackson State defensive end, 38th pick in the sixth round. So basically very bottom of the sixth. Was obviously cut um, and then came back as a, as a street free agent at that point, made it through waivers and we got him back. How lucky we were, ended up getting eight or nine sacks in that season at the back end of it. Incredible really to go from being cut to, to that sort of um, level and then didn't have the best off season in the world last year, came into this season, then gets injured, makes it back just in time to not have enough time to do anything, which is a shame, but never mind. Um, I'm going to find it hard to do this one. So I'm going to go straight to Ant to start. James Houston. I find it hard. So you give it me first. Um, yeah. Well, right. So I would, I would give him a B minus. 
purely because it's a small body of work and there's still a lot to be is it a flash in the pan is it a long-term thing i can't answer that question you know so you know because we've got to grade this on the long-term longevity of it like what we got out of him out of that first year god he was an a but we've not seen him this year how has the injury affected him is he still gonna have the same bend is he still gonna have the same impact we do not know so he's a B minus, but I mean that in the nicest way possible. Again, for a sixth round pick after two years, that's pretty damn good return. So yeah, that's where I'm at with him. I'm just gonna give it a straight B. She said, yeah, okay, might have been a flash in the pan, but again, this year there was the injury in that. But he's also been kind of misused as we keep going back to why the hell is he on coverage on Noah Fant? I know we're trying to we're trying to make him a all rounder play. He's got the pass rush for days. We're trying to improve the run defense and coverage, which he needs to do for the role. But he's got that niche that we keep looking for. He's an absolute demon as a speed rusher. And if he can come back healthy, which is I, I do admit is a big if, if he can come back healthy and at least do that, that's a B for me. And then if we can build the run defense and coverage on that, it will raise it to an A. But right now, even having that niche of just being an absolute demon at speed rusher. If he doesn't come back here, some other team's going to pick him up and try him out there. Probably a, the Cardinals or Washington, considering our links. Some other team's going to make a chance, and it's, that's why it's a B for me, because if we say no, no or like cut him now, some other team's going to say yes, and that probably says enough for me to class it as a good passing grade. Yeah, I'm going to go with what Lisa said in the chat and give him a B plus. Um that the body of work is small, but we're going from what I was saying about day three picks and Mitchell and Malcolm and whatever, you hope they even get on the field. You get to the bottom of the sixth and it's like, I hope they make the 53, never mind see the field. The fact that he has as many sacks as he does in his young career and the only chance he didn't have in year two was because he went and broke his ankle or whatever it was. Like, that's rough. That's not on the drafting. You think about the pick, we're drafting homes. We're not we're not grading Houston. We're grading homes. He absolutely smashed it. The issue is the coaching and the scheme. We really, really wanted to put our most athletic and best players on the field for longer. So we really tried hard to give him a bigger role. There is a room, especially in a team this good now, for a situational pass rusher. It's okay to just have him as a situational pass rusher. Let him grow in the next six, seven, eight years, by all means, try and cross-train him a bit, but let's just get him out there doing what he does best because the the word coming out of camp was that he was a liability in this off-season, that he was in the third team that really couldn't see the field, couldn't run defend, wasn't making the grade. And, you know, there were whispers that he might be on the roster bubble, which is just shocking considering how he ended last season, but the whispers were there. And I think that's just misuse. I think that's coaching. So I'm going to give him a B plus. Averages out to a B between the three of us, which I think is probably fair. Good pick. Solid good pick for where we were. Like, well done. You found a contributor. So, yeah. Chase Lucas, 237. That's the 16th pick in the seventh round. Nickelback from Arizona State. Um, was, was cut. Has stuck around a bit is on a futures deal, I think, at the moment. So he's still yeah. going to be around. Elder statesman of the team almost at like 27, I think he is now, 26, 27. Um, 
he, he's getting on in years, I, I think. Um, but probably back up to branch this coming season if we don't get any more resources at nickel. Um, he's not really put anything on tape. He's barely played. But I'm still going to pitch this at a C. The fact that he's still around means that this can't be anything less than that. The fact that he hasn't put anything on tape means I don't think it can be anything more than that. But what do you guys think? Yeah, I was about to say C, like special teams contributor when he's on the team. That's pretty much all you can ask from a seventh round of really CSC. I'm going to sit on the fence and say it's too soon to grade because I've not seen enough. All right. I'll put a C overall in that case. C seems like a good non-committal grade anyway. Uh, overall grade for the draft. A plus for Hutch, A minus for Jameson, C plus for Pascal, B plus for Kirby, C for Mitchell, A for A minus for Rodrigo, B for Houston, C for Lucas. Overall. See, I think it's verging on I think it's B plus territory right now. Because it could be an A if like everyone's year three is combined to be good then like we're going to have a seriously good draft it's just can we keep the production up from the likes of from Kirby and Malcolm and these guys who flashed year one are they going to have great year threes and show they're sustainably going to be part of this team in the future if that happens like this grade's going to be really damn high but I think after a couple of years that's a fair as fair summarization like there's no real big misses in this if Mitchell brings it up even then hell Christ doing double stars at the end of it. Yeah, B plus, A minus. Like, as we said at the top of the show, two starters, two con uh, rotational pieces, two special teamers. We've got three starters, two contributors, and then, well, two and a half with Houston, and then special teamer. Well, pretty damn good. I'm... I... I am higher than both of you considerably. I'm I'm A minus slash A. So mainly because if I'm 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 weighting it towards the the higher picks, you smashed it with pick two. We think that Jameson is an A minus with pick twelve. So two high first round picks, and you pick good players. And then in Kirby, you've got a starter at the bottom of the third, and then you've got contributors from all of the rest of the guys. Well, there's no busts in this draft. So that really elevates the floor as well. Guys in the chat are saying A and A minus as well. So I'm putting A minus because Ash was B plus A minus and that yeah. was B verging on going up. So I think A minus is okay, hopefully. Um, but it's I think it's borderline, it, it averaging us out. Um, let's go to trades. The two in-draft trades and then the Hawkinson in-year trades. So the first draft trade was... Lions trading 32nd and 34th overall and 66th for 12th and 46th. The way I try and perceive this is that you moved up 20 spots in round one. You moved up 12 spots in round two for the cost of a top of the third round pick. What do you think? Can we include what the what happened with those picks we traded away into this? Because that probably increases it a bit. But I'd give it B plus. 
Like we've got contributors from the picks we got in that trade. So obviously, JMO going to be a starter for us. Pascal probably like I'm saying starter. He's a rotational starter, so depending on situation. And then 32, 34, that's Lewis Seen and Christian Watson. What have they really done? I can't remember who 66 was, but we won that trade, in my opinion. At least looking at it now. And yeah, I, I'd agree with that, I think. Oh, that's a shame. I would have said A+. Plus. Um, <laughs> I, I think this was the equivalent of taking candy from a baby. Like, sorry to call the Vikings gem a baby, by the way, but I do think he got absolutely yeah. played. Like, I'm sorry, but if you told me that 34 wasn't part of the deal, uh, sorry, the um, sorry. I need to say this ran another way. If you told me that forty six wasn't part of the deal and we had to give up all three of those picks to go to twelve, I think that is an average yeah. par value trade. The fact that we got them to give us forty six as well is daylight yeah. robbery. Like True. to go up from thirty seconds, which is way out of blue chip territory, way out of good player territory. You get up to twelve. And you go up in the second round as well for the cost of yeah. a pick, top of top of round three. Oh, I hope I get a really good player here, but God, if he ends up being a backup for three years, fine. Like, yeah, no matter what the picks were, the trade itself, I think, is just an absolute smashing one. Yeah. I was about to say with what the picks have looked it up, I can say what it is. So would you rather have JMO and Josh Pascal or Lubisi and Christian Watson and Brian Brian Azamoa? Yeah, it's, it's no contest. Even with Watson having a good year one, he had a shit year two. Yeah. What does that average out to? You both said B plus, I said A plus, so I wouldn't go A minus? A minus, yeah. I think that's really low, but never mind. <laughs> um, right. Uh, further on in the draft, 181 and... Uh, sorry, 181 for 188 and 237. So traded down six picks and got a seventh rounder. I I, I just don't care about this. A C, whatever, move on. Any any descent to a C? It just doesn't move the needle for it me at all. It doesn't, yeah. Like, I'm just looking now, looking at the actual picks. We won it because it was Kyron Johnson that Eagles took there. So we won it, but yeah, so maybe C plus just because we won it in hindsight, but yeah, C, C plus doesn't really move the needle, as you said. Sorry. All right. Sorry, just replying to Joshua Mercer on Twitch about what the PFF theory is here in terms of grading. So if... In terms of these grades for the draft, just to reiterate this, if you had B pluses all the way across the board, you'd probably have an A draft because no one has that many doubles. You hit doubles, you win. And the PFF grading system says that if you get an 80 grade every single game, that's like a 98 for the season. Even though none of your game grades were near that, being that consistently good has value on its own. And likewise, if you have a 40 in every game grade, that's like a 20 season overall, because being that bad consistently is even worse than what the individual grades say. So the sum of the parts is greater than the individual grades. He was, he was saying, if you average all of that out, you've got a B plus. It's like, well, 
but it's it does it's not quite it's exacerbated by the individual grades but anyway never mind um debate that theory for as long as the podcast length is um Hawkinson uh, and a 2023 four and a 2024 fifth or fourth conditional for a 2023 second and a 2024 fourth. So you trade Hawkinson away to go up two rounds in 2023 and to go up one or two rounds in 2024. The net value of the trade was a third round pick for TJ Hawkinson, avoiding having to pay him the highest tight end contract in the NFL and potentially hamstringing the Vikings contract situation. What do you make of it? Released him. <laughs> really? Yeah. I mean, you you can't just look at the deal in its own in context here. Like there's there's so many layers to these deals, but the fact that he's made this deal, he's drafted Laporta, like drafting Laporta has made this look so much better. But it, again, it's all layered. He's done fantastic work in the process of doing so. So like for me it's an A. Like every time you can repurpose a position to that degree because we've arguably got better with Laporta over Hawk and we've gotten like higher draft picks because of it and you would go we're going to benefit big from that I, th I think he's done a cracking job with it yeah completely agree I don't know what the time I was uh to use a bit of British slang I was having a bit of a paddy about it because I couldn't see the vision for it but now with hindsight yeah B plus A minus I will also go A minus. I think Hawkinson is still one of, if not the most productive tight end in the NFL. Trading him around out for a third round pick seems low. The amount of money you're paying him is insane. And I do not want to be a part of it. For that reason, it's a really good trade because you've got some value back for a player, which maybe maybe you get a comp pick back from maybe you don't because of how many people you sign in 2023 you take the uncertainty out of it and you actually get the draft picks quicker by doing this trade i actually think that the trade value is understated as well because i think going from fourth to a second is going from someone you hope has a contribution in his career to someone you expect to contribute highly if you draft well second round pick is so valuable compared to a fourth like I don't see why this is just a third round pick overall in terms of value. It's more than that. So anyway, let's uh, grade overall for the trades. Then A minus for the draft trade in the first round, B, C for the nothing trade later on, and then an A minus for the Hawkinson trade, I guess, averages out to an A minus. Yeah. Yeah. A minus. Yeah. B plus A minus. Yeah. All right. Free agent signings and re-signings. DJ Chark, one year, 10 million. Garrett Griffin, tight end, one year, 965K. Mike Hughes, cornerback, one year, three and a half million. Chris Board, linebacker, one year, two million. Jared Davis, one year, 1.05. He was a practice squad player, I believe, for the majority of that season. Deshaun Elliott, safety, one year, 1.4. Devin Funches, tight end, one year, one. Cut and camp. Isaiah Bugs, defensive tackle, one year, 965 grand. The re-signings, Jason Kabinder, friend of the pod. Have to say that. Uh, fullback, two years, 4.1 million. Josh Woods, linebacker, one year, 1.55. Uh, if I don't say a year, it's one. I'll just say that now to save my breath. Josh Reynolds, wide receiver, two years, six. 
CJ Moore, safety, 1.75. Evan Brown's uh, center, 2.05. Tim Boyle, quarterback, 2 mil. Jalen Elliott, safety, 825K. Alex Anzalone, linebacker, 2.25. Sean Dion Hamilton, 1.035 million. Retired and became a Lions coach in that offseason. Is still the assistant linebacker coach, I believe. Uh, safety, Tracy Walker, three years, 25. Charles Harris, defensive end, two years, 13. Cleve Raymond, two years, five. David Blau, practice squad, one year, 1.35 million. What do you make of the overall flavor of the players we brought in or brought back? Yeah, not too many misses other than, well, biggest miss is probably Devin Funches, which says a lot. Like all the people we brought back contributed to them uh, in some form or fashion, admittedly most on special teams or as backups, but still it's a good little free agency period. Especially again, we were still coming out the dead cap because obviously forget that the first year we were cut Jamie Collins. We had a lot of dead cap there. The dead cap still from some of the other like some of the other players, like the cutting trade flowers. We probably got some from that. Good little free agency period, in my opinion. Again, it was just really inoffensive to the cap long. You know, they're just a load of flyer deals and see if anything sticks. And, you know, when again, even in year two, you're still in a position where you still got a lot of turnover on your roster. You get a lot of dead cap last year from getting rid of all the bad first deals in the first year. It's, you know, it's it's difficult. And, you know, guys came in and did little bits for us. They did what we needed them to. Given the circumstance, you know, you get a little bit from Chark, you get a little bit from Board, you know, you get a little bit from Elliot, you know, Bugs, we got more than more than value for for him. So again, you're shopping in Poundland and you're able to come away with a decent shop. It's that that's always a win. So yeah, it was it was again, it was good and it's fairly inoffensive because all those deals off the book by the end of the year, gone, forgotten about. Doesn't doesn't mm. kill the franchise going forward, not been irresponsible. That was key to not be irresponsible or jump the gun in the first few years whilst the finances got sorted. And that's why we're in such a healthy position now. I guess I'm a little bit more down on this one than the last one. And I, I think the reason for that is that they took one swing and it didn't work in DJ Chark. Just he he contributed a tiny bit, but for 10 mil. I think I think our expectations would have been higher, even if it was a swing. But yeah. Mike Hughes at three and a half million wasn't great, but did stuff at the start of his Lions career. Chris Board was a good special team. Deshaun Elliott was actually really good value for 1.4. Isaiah Bugs for a mil was a steal in that first year. I thought he was fantastic. We were all really happy when he came back the following year. Um, in terms of the players they brought back, I think Josh Reynolds, two years, six is incredible value. No matter whether you want to re-sign him now or not, what he provided for us in terms of the floor of the wide receiver room, I thought was really valuable. Evan Brown at 2 million was a steal as well. Anzalone at two and a quarter. I mean, come on. Um, but then Tracy was a big miss at three years, 25. And I don't think anyone at the time could have said that that was going to go the way it did. But it, it's one of those, it's like Aquara handing out those contracts and it just didn't work. And maybe that's not Brad's fault, but it, it's a bit of a shame. Charles Harris, we thought that he was coming back at a discount at two years, 13. That ended up not really working out after year one. 
which is a real shame. But then Khalif is great value at two years five, like really good value. So I think this is more of a mixed bag with a bit more expectation, but the majority of them, like you say, still flyers and still not a huge amount committed. So I think that I'm at a solid B here. B plus was the previous group. Yeah. I think this is maybe a B. But there's, yeah, there's, there's I, would, much I think he's been ham he's been hamstrung by injuries. Like the deals, Brad. You know, weirdly enough, in yeah. a way, when Brad gives you a deal, you get hurt. That seems to be the DJ, yeah. like Charles. Oh well, yeah, every, when you get these deals, Tracy hurt. You know, these guys. It's not his fault that these guys get. This is just the risk that you take. They're not deals in that we've wasted money for bad performances, that we've wasted money because of injury, and that's not the GM's fault. Yeah. So, again, like the few flyers we've took, you know, the, the few times we've paid out a bit of money, it's, it, that's the trouble. So I want to vote to increase this if we include the in-season transactions, which I neglected to say. I want to go B+, because in-season, we also signed Benito Jones, one year, 825000 and on waivers, we got John Kaminsky, defensive end, one year, 965k. Both of them were absolutely smashing grabs on, on waivers. Turned out to be really good players. And I know that waiver priority isn't really in the purview of the general manager. We just are where we are from last year. At the same time, there were people above us who didn't claim people. And, you know... We, we, we did some good... Well, actually, maybe there was one team above us, but never mind that. Like, we, we still picked up really good players who were above the amount they were being paid and did badly elsewhere. I have to say, if we're taking everything into account here, we should just give it an A+, because we didn't re-sign Trey Flowers. Biggest highlight of his reign here. Right. Oh, did... no. In fact, no. In, in fact, to not shoot at you, we, we can... Wick, Wick Nilliams. Getting rid of Wick Nilliams. <laughs> Don't want to summon... The Wick Williams. <laughs> Don't say it three times or he'll appear behind you to whinge that you've been bitching about him on Twitter. I'm the boogie man. Um, yes, we did not re-sign. Trey Flowers, defensive end, went to Miami on a $2.1 million deal. Jaden Reeves Maybin went for riches at Houston two years, seven and a half mil. Cadero Hodge didn't return. He went to Atlanta for one mil. Dean Marlowe left for Atlanta as well for 1.2 Nick Williams, the defensive tackle, went to the Giants for 1.2. Will Holden, the tackle, went to the Giants for 1.3. And then Tyrell Crosby saw the end of his career. And Joel Heath, who had a really good preseason and then didn't get picked up, I guess. And that was the end of his career. Yeah. Shame. Because he showed no. some good stuff with us. I don't understand why his career just ended there. But never mind. He's, he was not picked up as well. Well, he's personal today, if you've seen the uh, Jer uh, Jeremy's tweets about him. He's what, sorry? He said to, about Joel Heath, Jeremy's tweet earlier about Joel Heath. His account see. is now advertising AI bots. It got hacked. So it's, just <laughs> it's just constantly pulling. No, pulling, Joel! Yeah, okay. Fair enough. Resigning, uh, did not resign. Then I think that's a, a big bag of did not perform elsewhere. And one disgruntled, well, two dis technically two disgruntled people. But I've got, got to be an A plus again, though, right? Yeah. I mean, selling high saying, on Jalen Reeves Maybin and buying low next year has just got to be a stroke of genius, right? 100%. Well, yeah, in the price of what we paid for the JRM, we got Borden, who does basically, well, was supposed to do the same thing. He was good. But 
a third of the cost, and then also brought in Josh, uh, brought back Josh Woods, who also did the special team stuff. Yeah, so we got two players for the price of one, basically. All right, on the season, then draft was an A minus, trades were an A minus, free agency signings were a B plus, and did not sign was an A plus. What's the overall grade for the season? Hey, yeah. Shrewd with money, drafted well, traded well. A. 2023. This has been a long show. Apologies. I'm not going to quicken up. I'm enjoying this. Pick 12, Jameer Gibbs, Alabama running back. Pick 18, Jack Campbell, linebacker, Iowa. Pick 34, second pick of the second round, Sam Laporta, Iowa tight end. Pick 45, Pick 13 of round two, Brian Branch, Alabama, defensive back. Uh, Hendon Hooker, pick 68, is pick five of round three, quarterback Tennessee. And then I realize I have not actually listed out where the picks were for the rest of these. So let me calculate them quickly. Um, Broderick Martin, 96, pick 32 of round three, Western Kentucky defensive tackle. And then I'm going to struggle on these ones because I don't know how many comp picks there were. Colby Sawsdall, pick 152, William and Mary offensive lineman, pick 219, Antoine Green, UNC wide receiver. I will find out where they were picking which round in just a second because I failed at my job. And overall three feelings on the last year's draft class. Um, I, I, I might love it more than any draft class we've ever had before. Like, I just I just love all these guys who we've had this year and just the, the impact they've had has been incredible, especially at the top. Like we've just seen bona fide playmakers all over and it's it's been great. I, I, I love the hell out of it. Obviously it's only one year, but like I don't think you could have asked for a lot more from year one from these guys. Um I'd just give it all the grades in the world, like and I'd add an extra grade. Jameer Gibbs's Riz because like every time the man's on TikTok he's got some absolute worldy on his arm and yeah like Gibbs Riz <laughs> the Gibbs Riz scale that's where it's at now I, I want to be like Jameer Gibbs wow wow I did not think I'd be getting a call out to his Riz yeah sentences I'd never ever thought I'd ever <laughs> hear and say Oh I'm not oh. that old. I am young enough to be able to use the term Riz. All right, I'm not old. <laughs> Did you not see that one he was in the other day, TikTok? The TikTok he was in the other day? Like, yes. No. Yeah. Man's got yes, Riz. I have to see it. I, we follow him on our TikToks. Every single time I post one of our clips, it usually comes up for me. Yeah. Like, the dude's just slaying it on and off the field. Like,. <laughs> See, I'm using Slay now. Slay. Go Slay, Queen. Oh, oh, King Hell. <laughs> Mike the Marine just said, I love this show in response to Jesus this. Christ. <laughs> right. What is so wrong with me using the term Riz? It is a Monday Moving swiftly on from whatever might be wrong with that. Ash, what do you so feel about this draft skibbity. class? <laughs> so not what? It's so not skibbity. <laughs> If we're going here, I'm going here. I'm dropping all the Gen Alpha and Gen Z's talking. But about this draft class, I love it. Like, yes, okay, there is some players who 
I have to be too determined either through injury or just lack of play time. But the top four that we got so heavily slated for, aside from Brian Branch, probably the other three people were like, really? But they're eating their words now. Like, even Campbell, who, yeah, out of the four has probably been the weakest, he still contributed and done stuff. So, Smashed out of the park again. At least you know, one. If you're two, there's some struggle. Some look if yeah, the porter comes back down to earth. If Campbell doesn't really step up to the plate, then maybe the grade has to come back down in 12 months' time. But right now, damn good picks. Yeah, okay. Let's do the individual grades. So, Jameer Gibbs, pick 12. What do you think? A, a double star, a star for on the field, and an extra star for you know what. Not doing stars, but A plus is the top of the scale. Ash. A. I hate being harsh, but if there's one thing I think letting him down, we didn't see the full potential of the receiving stuff that we saw in college. Something that probably needs to, it's probably just concentration drops, but something he has to improve on next year. Yeah, I'm with you, Ash. I mean, I was such a Bijan stand coming into the draft. We didn't get him. I was sold on Jameer Gibbs as the best receiving back in the class and it wasn't close and we didn't see that from him. He was a fantastic running back and I'm sure that I can hear Jeremy just slowly cursing us all for even <laughs> even, even liking the idea of a running back in, in, in the top of the first round. But he was a damn good running back. I just, yeah. if he can bring the full package, this this could be an absolute worldie. Um, Jack Campbell, 18. Anyone? C-. This, I was about to say, this is going to sound really mean, but I'd give him like a C-plus or something. Not, again, because he's been bad, but because he's adapting to his position. Like that middle linebacker position is really difficult. and like He's yeah. going to be the green dot leader of this team one day, and that is a role he's going to have to take on. And It's difficult, and it doesn't happen right away. So in the nicest possible way, like C-plus, I think is perfectly fine for him year one. I've put C plus. Yeah. But I would have gone C minus. Um if you think C is a passing grade and you are picking a linebacker in the middle of the first round, you want what's happened is an absolute minimum. Like the absolute minimum. If you show less than what he's shown, you're busting. And that that's just a shame. Don't don't yeah. don't you dare! I see your face, Anthony Fitzpatrick. Yeah, I've just realised it. <laughs> Somebody's, somebody, oh is, somebody is. God. Um, but no, but <laughs> and when you said you've been grinding tape, do you mean you've just been on TikTok all day? <laughs> um, no, no. I, I I've been watching in Legacy Bowl. How many people do that? Like nobody does. Like that's True. that's that's hard grinding. That is because <laughs> I don't know most of the players. Yeah, no, that's that's absolutely fair. Do go and See, listen to that show. I sold it hard at the top of it. Yeah. Go and listen to our college show this week because it's going to be lit. Anyway, <laughs> we're just no. You sound Ash. like an old man. You sound like an old oh man when you say God. that. I am an old man, and I'm okay with that. 
Shall we just do that? Shall we just find loads of Gen Z terms to use on Ash and make him feel really We've uncomfortable? Got, it's got to be Gen Alpha, show. otherwise he won't cringe it's enough. Gen Alpha. Yeah. yeah, it has to be. Um, right. I, I, it I, has to be. I'm going to... On Campbell, like, Mark, the reason I'm slightly higher maybe is because, for better or for worse, we did the whole let's put him at Sam experiment for a bit. Yes, uh, that's exactly what I was going to come on to say as well. We've yeah. misused him. Yeah. It's on coaching as well. Yeah. Sam Reporter, pick two of the second round. A plus. Could not be more A plus. A plus and anything else is cap. <laughs> Love this so much. Brian Branch, pick 13 of the second round. A plus. Couldn't be more A plus. A plus? Yeah. All right. Hendon Hooker, pick five of the third round. I, I think you have to go TBD. N TBD, NA, TBC, whatever. Yeah? yeah. Hasn't seen yeah. the field. Uh Broderick Martin, pick 32 of round three. That's Straight C. TBD as well. Yeah, yeah, TBD or C. Like. I think Hendon gets a pass because we knew he was basically redshirting through injury, yeah. whereas Broderick didn't see the field for most of the season for an entirely different reason, in that he isn't good enough at the moment. Whereas Hooker might be, and that's part of the debate in Lions land right now, we don't know with Hooker, whereas we do know with Martin. I have put NA, TBD, whatever, but I'd feel more comfortable putting a, I don't know, D plus, C minus for Martin, because when you trade up that much, even if you're a developmental guy, you kind of hope for more than he's provided. But I'm okay. But you were trading TV. picks that you never had. So, yeah. you know, that's True. kind of like more of a... Again, it's a little bit more of a sus thing, but, you know, you've got to... Yeah. <laughs> you've got to, you know... You... Oh, this is so beautiful. I love it. But, right. um, yeah, we just go slowly driving mad. Yeah. Uh, Colby Sawsdall, pick 17 of the fifth round. See. He's a developmental offensive lineman and he's had to play. He's played damn, a damn lot more than Broderick has and he showed flashes. Yes, there was some I bad. I give him a C plus. Yeah, so yes, yeah, C, I, C I, plus. I think for what you've got, I think he's yeah. shown that he could, you know, when you get into, he got onto Baldinger's reel. So, like, if you get onto Baldinger's reel, you're doing something right. True. Like, when he, did, he played his first week, he did a highlight reel of him and he's like, he's a, it's a tough system to adapt to on our offensive line, especially when you're jumping from the FCS. To come yeah. in and look credible... I think is a bit more than you might have expected year one. I didn't expect him to play. He has shown more in his Lions career than Logan Stenberg did. Sorry, all of us have to be burned at least once in this. Oh. But he has Where the hell did that come from? Tell me I'm wrong. What what did I do to deserve that? Tell me I'm wrong. You said the Trey Flowers comment, and I was like, I'm getting you back at some point. Said that about a thousand times. To be fair, yes, fair. But I think I think. Oh, okay. Yes, you got me. You got me. Um, you've just put a dagger in my heart, and you're happy. Like I thought doing this I'm, I'm for so many years. Delighted. You're right. I am. I am over the moon with that. Um, no, but with with Colby, the thing about say Malcolm at linebacker, about Kirby at safety, about some of the other later round guys as well, is. You can hide some of these guys. You can mask some of their deficiencies. 
offensive linemen get exploited. Developmental guys are going to struggle if they're not elite. You see some of the... There aren't 64 good offensive tackles in the NFL. There aren't 40 good guards in the NFL. Yeah. The fact that Colby's come in and he's not been a total liability is a win. So I'm I'm really pleased with him in C plus. You, I don't even go to the B minus territory because I don't think he was good when he was on the field, but he wasn't outright really bad. Bad, yeah. And that that's a win in that position. Antoine Green, pick two, round seven. In a. K, he's played a couple of snaps TBD. at the end. Yes, yeah, a TBD. Like, most just I, came off a run blocking, didn't he? In difference to Broderick Martin, who hasn't been on the field because he wasn't good enough, Anton Green has seen a bit. The fact that he's a seventh rounder means I think that this is a win. Even if yes. it's a TBD, I think this is a TBD trending to sort of B territory. The fact he's still on the roster is a win. Yeah. For now. Right, there are a heck of a lot of trades, so let's be brief. Jeff Akuda for a 2023 fifth. B. Uh, I would verge on B plus, given how much his contract was and that he wasn't great. I, I'd say I'm I'm more happier with this. I, I the hell I'd go as far as an A minus. I don't know. We don't use a pick on it yet, but okay. Now B, B plus seems to average the three of us out, so that's good. Uh, a 2023, uh, so in 2023, six and eighty one for twelve thirty four and one sixty eight. So we traded down six picks in the first round, picked up thirty four, had to give away eighty one, and got one sixty eight. Um, there's obviously a lot going on there, but trading down six picks to get a second rounder is the is the swing of it, basically. That's what got us Laporta, wasn't it? Yeah, Gibson Laporta, yeah. So for that, yeah, like, it has to be an A at least. A star. Plus, sorry, no stars I, in this one. I, I would come in here and say I think that this is a B, a flat B. The picks we made, which we've just graded above, yeah. were exceptionally good. But when this trade happened in real time... I said, if the compensation isn't next year's first, oh, yeah, this course, is yeah. a big trade down to make. When yes. you're only picking up a top of the second round pick to go down significantly in a draft that had limited blue chip players, I did not like the trade down for the compensation we got, really. Yeah, but then I, I don't hate... You were overvaluing that. that. I yeah. think we had this argument last year. I think you were yeah. overvaluing that pick. Like Obviously, I was in the middle of you two. I think it's just with hindsight again. It's with the benefit of hindsight. I think we we can pretty much for sure say that there were five guys that we were happy with, and then when Witherspoon went, that it was a lock off to that's all that tier gone. So we're happy moving down for whatever we can do to stay in that tier two where Gibbs was, where um, Campbell was. Arguably where Laporta was. Yeah, so I okay. I buy that argument. We were going to pick Gibbs at six. Like they would have exactly, done it yeah. there. So for to get anything, to trade down and still get him and get anything is a win. I, really. Okay, I, I do buy that argument too, but that is using the picks to justify the trade still. Whereas Ant's argument of pick five was the end of the tier and trading down 
regardless of who you yeah. pick makes sense because of the tier argument i buy because it's regardless of the players almost okay i'm still gonna say b but you guys are yeah. both in a a plus territory right yeah, like a, so yeah. so a minus a, a yeah a minus b plus territory yeah overall for all right grand. uh we traded 159 to move up three spots from 48 to 45 Yes, it was for Brian Branch, but we've graded Brian Branch. What's the trade worth? Everything because we stole him from the Packers. Thank oh, you. Yes. Stole my words. I'm going to say C+, plus because it's giving up a reasonable amount to move not very much. I mean, I would classify Brian Branch as a lot. We have to separate. So I think, yeah, I agree it's given up a lot, but I know obviously, considering how things went with the Vikings and the Bears, it might seem like it's not that much, but because Gudekunst, as much as I like to rag on him on some things, he does know how to wrangle trades. He did probably demand a bit of that premium, so that's why we had to pay a bit more. We did have to overpay to come up. So yeah, I'd still give it about BB minus. And where would that fifth round pick, like, you know, it was a late pick. You look at all the late picks from last year, they, they kind so. of haven't jarred out yeah i don't think we missed it overall we're not no I, I don't think we're we having that either. pig so okay like, i'll bump it up i'll bump it up to b i can i can buy a b 59 anything that makes packers fans cry is yeah. like that that's an that, extra that is worth bar. something i do agree oh see i'm just looking at 159 was dontavian wicks so arguably their wide receiver one for half this season i think that works for both of us yeah Brad likes to do trades that work for both teams in conferences. Mm -hmm. All right. We traded down from 55 to 63. So we moved down eight. And we also gave 194 to pick up 122 and 249. So moved down eight places in the second to gain ourselves a fourth and a seventh for a sixth or a late fifth. Can't work that out. But I think it's a sixth. Uh, 194. Pretty sure it's a sixth. It's a sixth. Yeah. Okay. So moving down eight places for that comp, I think is a really good trade. I would say that I'm not missing those eight places and picking up a fourth rounder basically to do it because I don't care about the sixth and the seventh, inconsequential to me. Picking up a fourth to move down eight places in the second, I think is good compensation. So I go B plus potentially with this. Yeah. 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 All right. Uh, we also moved down five places from 63 uh, to 68. And we moved up 44 places from 183 to 139 to do that. So we didn't gain any extra picks, but we moved up from the top of the, from the bottom of the fifth to the bottom of the fourth. To move um, down five places. One, 183 was a sixth. Okay, cool. So we move from the top of the sixth to the bottom of the fourth for moving down five places yeah. from the bottom of the second to the top of the third. I think this is also yeah. a really good value trade. I'll probably put B plus uh, on this as well. Yeah. Though I will sport it a bit for and to make it make it grade a bit lower. Then for use 183 to get JL Skinner. Yeah. All right. Um, and you good with B plus for that? Yeah. Right, here comes the Broderick Martin trade up 122, 139, 168 for 96. I know it's for Broderick. We've graded Broderick, or not graded Broderick, as the case is. 
giving up two fourths and a fifth for a late third. I didn't like it at the time. I don't still don't I like, like it. it. I still don't like it exactly. Oh, I don't. I, I don't really hate the trade. I do dislike who they traded up for, given that it was developmental. If it's a yeah. if it's a move for a guy you think is polished enough to maybe yeah. not be a really great player going forward, but he's going to contribute with the year one, I think it's fine. But and the thing is, I've preached taking the player out of it. So in isolation with the trade, I think it's a big overpay. Not because of the player. Yeah. I think it's a lot to give up to not move up very yeah. much. But then you have to look at who's available in the position you're trading up for. Oh, there so... aren't many guys left because the only other option there was Siaki Ika, who we were all crying was oh, like, saying about oh. waiting. Oh. oh, there was another DT around then that got picked <clears> 110. <throat> One of your favourite DTs from last year class. The pajama warrior himself who went to the oh. Colts. Oh, God. the Washington Husky. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, nope. Washington Husky. No. Ad, as a Tamiwa at the bar. Northwestern. Oh, sorry. Yes, Northwestern. My bad. But there's also Colby, uh, Colby Wood, uh, Wooden. But yeah, it's. Okay. I would give this a D. Yes. There was better. Yeah. I just think it's a. I, I, I kind of. Well, don't... I, uh... I'm, I'm gonna. I think it's unfair because he's. Again, you do have to. We look at the trade in isolation and the picture given up fine, but you've also got to take into account the wider aspect of who you're trading for, why you're doing it. They obviously yeah, felt he was the best of the DTs left, and you've got to t- like. He's coming see, from a yeah. conference where three players were drafted. Three. The other two were in the seventh round. Like you don't go there for bona fide starting. NFL talent, it is long-term development. Does, that, does, does this not make See, this draft worse, uh, this trade worse? Yes, especially since for me, okay, maybe it's my own thinking of the board, looking at who was available then, okay, yeah. Not just DTs, though. Jacorian Bennett, who obviously some people saw as like a second-round pick at corner. Keely Ringu, who people thought fell. Blake Freeland, offensive tackle, was there. Um, Chandler Savala was around then. There's quite a few players who were available at that time that But we're talking about this after a year. Like Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but we're not talking about the players. We are just talking about the trade. And I know you're trying to provide the context by talking about the players, I know. But But the thing is you've traded away picks you didn't have to st- if this was if this we started the draft with these three picks and then just gave them up to move up, I would think that was bad. We have deliberately and calculatedly traded back to get these picks, to get him. You're getting picks that you never had in the first place to trade up for this. That why that is why I think it is more manageable. Okay, but if in that vein of thought, then, we've given a B-plus for the trade down to get these picks to do the trade up. If you package all of the trades together, I think it's a C at best. I think the plan is flawed. I don't like yeah. it. Same. The way Brad works, Brad works for specific players. Yeah, he There's, does. He, he works true. for specific, like, you know, I would, look, I would love to have taken Chandler Zavala there. He's a Wolfpack guy, but I also have to take into account that Brad has his players. So he will find his ways to go and get them, whether it's going down, whether it's going up. It's very calculated as to what he needs to get them and where he's going to have to go get them from. So, you know, did he have to go that high for Broderick? Maybe not, but at the same time, 
there's not many other guys around there. If there's suddenly a rush on these guys and they're gone and he's the guy you wanted, then it's a problem. You know, who, I mean, who are you going to take but, after that? So but, I would but, say it's very calculated and that we've not, we can't see it work out yet. But because we've traded back to get it, I don't mind it as much. I, I guess I, what I would say is if we had never done any of the trade downs and we'd just taken the players we wanted to take and we didn't have Broderick, I think we're basically in exactly the same position as we are now. Yeah. I just think Broderick's take... kind of a non-factor at this point. If you if you yeah. want to bring the player in as context... Well, we don't have Sam then, do we? Or we don't have Branch if we, you know, like... Well, but 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 barely any of the picks involved in trading down for those guys were involved in this trade down. There's like two separate little clusters... No, but you said if you take all the trades out of it, then... Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Okay, just these Broderick Martin-related trades, the the trade down from 55 to 63, the trade down from 63 to 68, and then the trade up for all the picks we just gained. Anyway, never mind. I don't think we I'd pan a trade... I think, I think the thing is, I don't think I'd trade a pa I don't think I'd pan a trade after a year in the majority of scenarios. I think I'd... You know... True, yeah, it just... It, 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 hindsight is... A thing, hindsight's twenty twenty with these things in it, as you know. But I don't know. I just I believe in Brad's process to do this. I think if he thinks he's worthy of that, then I trust Brad to have made the right decision on it. Right. I I will I will do you a solid and just say I'm trying to go with you. I will right. just on record as saying that I think it's you know you're, you're I wouldn't do it just yet. But I if will we go were with Supreme the Court. Vote. If we were Supreme Court justices, I would say your dissent is noted. I would allow you to write the the dissenting opinion. Oh, you do, you do, you do anyhow. Yeah, you, know, you 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 know my <laughs> opinion, but then you just do what you want. So I'm used to this. Ooh, hey, was yeah. I not the person on the? Uh, oh, on here the... we go. What? I'm sorry, but a long snapper got nominated, and it was put through uh, for the Ash awards. Voted for that as well. Not that. Not just me. This was a popular vote. That was democracy in action. Yes, it was, and it went through. So I don't just do what I want, despite my best wishes. Anyway, people in the chat wanted the long snapper as well. So it was. It was a get. You've got you to lie. Do, you've got to you do what lie. the audience wants. The audience happens. says it. We've got to do it. Right, DeAndre Swift and at the 249th pick for 219 and a 2025 fourth. So we've moved up 30 places in the seventh round and we got a 2025 fourth for DeAndre Swift in the last year of his deal. E plus, A minus. I think we've got business for yeah. both teams. I think A minus is probably fair I mean at the end of the day for a running back you don't want getting a fourth rounder never mind moving up in the seventh is great so Ryan I just Pat know that pick's going to be trade bait for something next year Brad will trade that pick next year for something and it will yeah. be part of a grand scheme I agree in year trades Riley Patterson for a conditional seventh round pick in 2026 I do not think that will convey so basically Riley Patterson for free I think I'm not 100% on whether it's going to convey. If it does, uh, it's a seventh round pick two years away. Yeah. C, like... Yeah, I'm, I'm there with C. Yeah. You you gave yourself more room in the, in the kicking room for a player yeah. who did well at Jacksonville before he came back. 
competition. We were struggling at kicker. I, I was fine with it. I still yeah, we weren't too much struggling. We had we had Romocop. Yeah, yeah, damn right. <laughs> we wouldn't have this issue if we'd have kept the Robocop in town. Uh Denzel Mims for a conditional 2025 sixth round pick, which did not convey. So because it didn't convey, I'm just gonna put not NA. I was gonna say B minus. Yeah. Because uh, for me at that point, and it is something I was harping on about, and I'm still harping on about. We were shooting for upside up wide receiver. We knew what we had with Reynolds, we know what we have with uh, JMO, and, and I think that happened after the JMO stuff. So it was us just shooting on the upside of Mims, who kind of got misused a bit by New York. So we we're just like, here's something cheap. And we basically, we basically had a flyer on a high upside X receiver for free. So for me, it's a bit more than Patterson because there was a bit more there. Like Patterson being Ned done that, we knew what he had. And maybe it's hindsight that. He lost out to Badgley eventually, but Mims, there's more upside there. He could have been if things went a different way. Then you like a sort of Josh Reynolds kind of thing that would have uplifted our offense even more. It just didn't work out. So for me, I'm happy for that shot for free. While with Patterson, it was a bit more of just staying the course for free, if that makes sense. You make a good argument. And any thought? No, I'm I'm schooling myself up on some more Gen Alpha slang for Ash. All right, we'll go B plus since since Break. Ash is the only one. Breaking news: What? Breaking Tell news: us. The Lions have con- agreed a contract extension with Pro Bowl special teamer Jalen Reeves Maven, according to his agent, to two year, seven and a half million deal worth a max of eight million that makes him the highest paid court special teamer ever. Isn't that the wow. contract he got in Jacksonville? Houston gave him two years, Houston, seven and, Houston, and a half. Sorry. But if it, if it goes up to eight, I guess that's the biggest ever. Wow, that's a lot of money. I know he played on defense, but wow. Jesus. That's a lot of money. Fair play. Even more, even more. Uh, it says, gets a full guarantee of $5.245 million, including the two and a half million signing bonus. Those are also records for a core special teamer. Only guaranteed five and a quarter million. Gee, I mean, like I said, he made some really good plays on defense, so I think he's fully earned it. But God, I, I think that he is the biggest beneficiary of the cap being higher than expected. Yes, I do not think that happens without it. I'm happy with it though. Ant is absolutely delighted. Let's move on. You're skeptical <laughs> about it, so I feel like I can be skeptical if you've been skeptical. I'm, I'm just I'm like you're like the halfway point of special teams. You're like the half. You're like the halfway between me and Ash. So like, <laughs> true. I feel like if the halfway point's skeptical, then it can be on my side of the fence. Oh yeah, I agree. See, that's they, a lot. Yeah, that's let's. But uh, what we can do is we can buy that time. Obviously, Pride of Detroit are doing their podcast later. Let's see what they have to say, and then Eric. Especially interesting to see what Eric says. The only other guy other than me that loves special teams as much. Oh, Eric will love it. Exactly. They all love it. They all love. They love all their core special teams guys. They love it. They they'll not say a bad word about it. Uh, I don't know. Jeremy's all about value. I don't know. We'll see. Anyway, we shall see. 
And you did always say you wanted your special teams players to not just be special teams players, but to contribute on the team. He did, and he's got. I did. I, I never talked about contract value, though. Let me just say, <laughs> <laughs> I never talked yeah. about contract value and how much that was worth. I think, in terms of being a culture setter for the team, the way he carries himself, that he is basically a team captain, even if he's maybe not. He, I think he is a special teams captain. He 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 deserves it, whether he's worth it or not. Anyway, Donovan Peoples Jones for a twenty twenty five sixth. TBD. Well, but it can't be TBD because that's it. Unless we sign him back after now as a free agent. Yeah, I think we, we have will. to. I, th- I think we will as well. Maybe I've changed my mind. I think but... he's going to be here for camp minimum. Be a camp minimum. C plus then. Yeah, I, th- I think it was a good flyer. He he had yeah. upsides. He had an eight hundred yard season, yeah. and we got him for a twenty twenty five sixth. It's the same. Yeah, it's the same reasoning as Mims. Apart from Donovan Peoples Jones had more production than Mims ever had. Yeah. So yeah. I think I think that's a B. Uh, uh, if Mims is a B plus, then DPJ is a B plus. But Mims didn't cost a thing. That's the thing. That's why it balances out. So yeah. D- right, yes, so, I can say B plus. Okay. Yeah, so B, B, B plus, minus. D- yeah, no, yeah, I agreed to B plus because okay. DPJ had more production, Mims cost less. So it's yes. All right, we'll go with on. that. We did not actually give an overall value for the draft, so let me just do that. So Gibbs A, Campbell C plus, Reporter A plus, Brian Branch A plus, Hooker, Martin and Green TBD, Colby Sawstall C plus. Overall draft grade A. Serious. Serious. Like, this is one of the best drafts of all time. I think. Like, one year out, I know that grading a draft is really difficult, but the beauty of doing this every year is that we can do this every year and and have a look back at what we thought last year. We're providing ourselves some context and history for ourselves. One year out, we have the fourth best nickel corner in the NFL last year. In the second round, middle of the second round, of the best rookie tight end of all time. He is. You have one of the best running backs to come out of the draft in recent years. And he was taken high, backing up the pig. And then you've got potentially a, a future good quarterback and hooker that we don't know about. Campbell still has big, big, you know, potential out there. I think... Out of the five players you've graded, two of them are A pluses and one of them's an A. Like, could not be more A plus for me. Like, I, I think this has the potential to be a Seahawks level twenty, well, Legion of Boom draft, whatever that was. No, the, the best, the best one would be Saints twenty sixteen. Kamara sure. and Lattimore. I, I think this could be and better Ramsey. than that. And all Ramsey, yeah. I think this could be better than that. It, Saying that, a lot of those Saints picks weren't first rounders, were they? Like they no, were like second, second yeah. thirds, fourths. They Saints, were hitting with 26. like Ramshit was like a fourth, wasn't he? Like they hit yeah, big. Uh, oh, was it twenty? No, it was twenty seventeen. I, I know what you mean, though. In that vein, yeah. you're getting that many quality long term stars yeah. who you're gonna ink to massive yeah. deals. It will so, be on that, but that that Saints draft will be hard to ever go. Yes, the Saints was Latimore eleven, Ramshit thirty two, Marcus Williams forty two. Kamara 67, Anzalone 76, Trey Hendrickson at 103, and then uh, Mohammed at 196. That was just 
Okay, Elite, that, could that get is there. very good. That is very, very good. And yet, I think that Branch Reporter and Gibbs and Campbell have the potential to be better than that draft. Don't oh, care what you think. I have to include that's, like, a, that's, a, that's see, a hot hot take. That's that, a hot that's take. Hot, that, because... That's hotter than my Penesal is going to be a bigger yeah. Lions legend than Barry Sanders' take last week. Yeah, because for me, I'm have to. As much as I agree, yes, pound for pound, like if it was just raw talent, they probably could. But I have to include positional value in this to, to get one of the best right tackles in the league to get who what was a really damn good corner has a bit of a down year now, and then a guy in the. Uh, in the third round, who is a top ten, is what Hutch kind of is right now. He was for a bit in the third round. Oh, Hendrickson's it's, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Hendrickson. yeah. So, from, okay, I, so can see, I can get and, there. And a big example of why you don't do Loomis Magic because they couldn't afford to pay him. Can, can I pitch you on this? That that is as big of a, a the top of the A plus scale, and that this maybe is still in the A plus scale. It's just not maybe, quite. Yeah, it's just. For me, the reason I said just an A is because that Saints draft has longevity. No, but not but ignoring the Saints draft now. It's because Campbell for a first round pick, maybe I'd like I'm waiting more towards the top. That's that C plus for Campbell weighs it down a bit. Yeah, okay. And, all the, right. and no, then including the point. and in, including the trade up for Broderick, which you know, yes, technically we should keep the uh, the trade separate, but including the trade-up with Hen- uh, for Broderick, him being an NA with that, just drags it down to an A for me. So it might be a bit unfair, but it's just that's how I'm wasting it in my mind, which is why I said an A. It could, happily, yes, I could see it next year if Broderick does take that step up. If Campbell takes that step up, it will be an A+. plus. But right now, because of we haven't fully seen it yet, it can't get that A+, plus because it hasn't reached its potential of being that yet. So that makes sense. And um, where are you on this? Mm. I'm with Ash on this. All right. Sorry. A it is. <laughs> A it is. That's fine. The grades, we had all of those various trades, uh, but Akuda was a B plus, Swift was an A minus, and then the varying other trades were A minus, B, B plus, B plus, D, C, B plus, B plus. Overall grade for trades. That seems in the B plus territory for me. Yeah. Seems like he's consistently in that sort of B plus yeah. territory. Yeah. For that. Right. Free agency. And then we are out of here for the audio show. It has been a long one. Thank you if you are still listening. <laughs> uh free agent signings. Uh Mac McCain, cornerback, 870 grand, didn't make the team. Cam Sutton, cornerback, three years, 33 mil. Emmanuel Mosley, 6 mil, suffered ACL in the first game. David Montgomery, 3 years, 18. Graham Glasgow, 1 year, 4.5. CJ, GJ, CDGs, nickelback safety, 1 year, 8. Jake McQuaid, long snap, 1.3. Cut but re-signed in mid-season. Jalen Rizmabin, 1.75 mil. Marvin Jones, 3 mil, retired early in the season. Um, re-signings, people we brought back. Nate Sudfeld, I didn't actually get the contract value for that, but I think it was in the region of one and a half, two mil for the year. Uh, um, but I forget that. I will circle back to the contract value when you find it. Craig Reynolds, 1.1 mil. Ross Pierschbacker, 1 mil. Matt Nelson, 1.3. Uh, 
Isaiah Bugs, two years, four and a half. John Kaminsky, two years, eight and a half. Alex Anzalone, three years, 18.75. Will Harris, one year, two and a half, but with a vet benefit cost of lines, 1.2. CJ Moore, two years, four and a half, cut after gambling ban. Savion Smith, 940 grand. Michael Badgley, 1.2 million. Those are the people we brought in. Those are the people we brought back. Nate Sudfeld was 1.6 mil. Thanks, Ash. He was obviously a specialty, uh, a practice squatter. What do you make of the people we brought in and the people we brought back? I mean, there's some damn good sidings on there. Monty, Graham, Jalen Moves Maiden, Jake McQuaid. Sutton, I'm kind of... 50-50 on right now, like he's a damn good cornerback too, and maybe we misused him a bit because he's more of a zone guy and we did play quite a bit of man, especially down the stretch. Can't really argue against the Moses signing. It was worth the shot, not his faulty toys of ACL within two snaps of stepping on the field in his first game. And then Marvin, is him. It was a good shot for someone we trusted at X receiver and he just had family stuff and he had to retire. Can't really hold anything against that. And yeah, everyone else we brought back played roles. Even Pierce Backer would have loved him down the stretch, maybe with uh, the injuries on interior offense life, he could have done something. But for the most part, everyone there played a role except for Sudfeld in the signings, because obviously Sudfeld tore his ACL. So like again, nothing really to moan about other than we had that and because Brad couldn't control CJ Moore uh, CJ Moore doing what he did broke my heart that did when that news broke about CJ Moore I know it did and what do you make of those guys I mean again it's mostly good for the most part like you know Sutton's heading into the Justin Coleman category right now but you know he can he can win it back if we get some bona fide help. And I think that contract looks way too big for him right now. Like, but I think at the time, given you know his age, you know he's he's had some decent bits in the league. So at the time, it wasn't too bad. It just looks bad now, I guess. Uh, but overall, I think again, for the most part, the money that's gone out has been well utilized. And there's again just some injuries that have messed things up. Like, you know, you go you go to all that effort to rebuild the secondary like you did, and then you lose two of your star guys, one for all season and one for most of the season. Like, that's just not fair. So yeah, I think overall you did really well. I think it's another vein of things where a three-year deal for slightly more than ten million dollars a year hasn't quite worked out yet. Romeo Aquara. Cam Sutton, Tracy Walker. Tracy Walker wasn't quite 10, but he was close to it. All of those guys fit into a similar bucket for me right now. And maybe that's harsh. I think the thing, the track with Sutton all of doesn't those... have injuries to excuse himself. That's really, true. Or a serious injury to excuse himself. Yeah. No, that's that's fair. I think there are some big wins in here, like you said, with, with Glasgow, with... I mean, Anzalone coming back, it was a big shock at the amount of money that he was paid, and yet he backed it up. So that's a win. Um, I think Reynolds was a win at 1.1 mil as the RB3. He had some big contributing moments. 
Jalen Reeves maybe is maybe the biggest wing of them all somehow. And you just got paid. Um, but and then Monty was fantastic, but it gets outweighed, I think, by some big misses potentially so far. I'd say a BB minus. Yeah, I'd, I'd I'd decide more with B just because of the contributions from people like Glasgow. That was kind of we got more right. out of him than what we originally were planning for him because he was supposed to be just the backup to Hallen to Frank and he played starter snaps for most of the season. Mm. Uh, in season brought in as well, Kindle Vildor corner one year one. Dan Skipper came back one year one and Teddy Bridgewater one year three as the backup quarterback. So I think factoring them in, they were all wins. So I think B, B plus is fine. What do you think, Ant? Yeah, agreed. All right. Did not come back. Michael Brockers was released. Deshaun Elliott went to Miami for 1.77. Jamal Williams, three is 12 to New Orleans. Uh, Evan Brown went to Seattle for 2.25. Chris Board, linebacker, two years, 6.7 million to New England. Uh, Austin Bryant, 1.1 to San Francisco. Mike Hughes, corner, two years, seven to Atlanta. Oriwarie, 1.2 mil to the Giants. Josh Woods, 1.2 mil to Arizona. DJ Chark, one year, five to Carolina. And then... Justin Jackson actually did end up coming back eventually, but retired shortly after. Uh, Dan Skipper is on the list of people that did not resign, but obviously I've just said then that he did. Tommy Kramer uh, went elsewhere. Bobby Price did, and Quintus Sievers obviously was released after his gambling ban. Of, of the list of people who left, again, I think it's an array of players who have not performed in their new locations. And that's something we always used to say about the Lions free agents coming in. Oh, they haven't done as well here as they have done elsewhere. What's happening, I think, to a lot of the free agent guys will let go. I think this is the first example of a player that I've seen who's actually legitimately done well, though. And that's Deshaun Elliott in Miami, who I know Miami are big fans of and they want him to return, who had a really good year, basically playing a starting role after injury. Um but we quite liked him here and we actually did him a solid by letting him go slightly early, if I remember rightly, from the previous year. So I, I think that's right. Maybe I'm th- I wouldn't trade it's... him for any of our guys, though. No, no, no. no, no that's a single one. It, I think it was a bit, a bit in between because he was he had a shoulder injury and we wanted him to play through it and he just refused. So I think it was a bit of like, he we, we did him a solid letting him go early kind of thing, but at the same time, he just didn't fit the culture. So even Evan Brown letting him go for how well he did here, Seattle don't like him and haven't re-signed him. Um, Jamal obviously underperformed at the Saints. They barely used him. No one else has done particularly well. I would I would pitch this at an A-, maybe higher. Yeah. And? Yeah, yeah. I'm with you. All right, overall grade for this year, then, we have an A in the draft, a B-plus for the trades, a B for the free agent signings, and an A-minus for the people we let go. I would say an overall grade would therefore be in the B-plus, A-minus range. I think the draft probably puts it at an A-minus for me. Yeah, A-minus, yeah. Yeah. Right. 
that's Brad Holmes. We do have a question coming. I'm going to ignore 2024 for now. We'll just have a look at that as a year in 12 months' time. Uh, but for 2021 is an A overall. 2022 is an A overall. 2023 is an A minus overall. Fellas, reflecting on Brad Holmes' tenure for the last three years and what the team looks like now compared to then, it, it, he's smashing it, isn't he? Using the PFF theory, he's an A plus. How can you have that consistently good a year every single yeah, time? Exactly, and where he's taken us from from when he started to now, from literally, arguably the worst roster in the league to, dare I say, a championship contending roster in three yep. years. Yep. Who the f- like? I'm, I'm going to I'm, excuse my French, but who the fuck can do that other than Brad Holmes? Yeah, special. And some summary remarks for Brad. Uh, I love him, and I never want him to leave. Um, yeah, <laughs> that, that that would be that would be it with Brad. The job he's done is absolutely extraordinary. He's taken the worst team in the league by a long shot, who had just been destroyed by the worst head coach in the league by a long shot, and with a bunch of you know with a rookie head coach with with and a screwed cap situation with nothing to work with whatsoever. Uh, he's created an NFC championship team within three years, which is just incredible through skilled drafting, through, you know, skilled use of the undrafted free agency market as well. Lots of little flyers going out there trying to find depth rotational pieces to flesh out the squad whilst getting his first team as through the draft. Just the way he's done it is masterful. And he's put us in position to be successful for a very long time. He is the blessing that we all needed. All right. The last thing we have to get to is a question from uh, Lost Oceans. Uh, no, it wasn't Lost Oceans. Where was it? It was Mile Marker. Sorry, Mile Marker 301 on YouTube. Question When was your darkest doubt about Holmes, if any? Question mark. Mine with Holmes and Dan Campbell were week seven and eight of the 2022 season when we lost twice after the bye and Sheila came out and defended them. Dot, dot, dot. She was right. Did you at any point fear for the project? I feared for Dan, not Brad then. I didn't know if Dan's methods were taking at that point. I've never worried about Brad because, as I say, the drafts and the cap work have always been great. It was because we love Brad and Dan. Like they, they come as they're a couple to us now. Like, you know, they're inseparable. But it was Dan who was letting his side down at that point. Well, not letting his side down, but there was where the questions were. Not Brad. Yeah. I I guess my darkest time down, at least with Holmes, and I have on the pod, earlier in the podcast said I was wrong to it, was the hot kissing trade because I just thought we're letting go of a talented player that we don't really have anyone behind who can really do what he does for not a lot. Um, but now, obviously, looking back, I can see the vision and I completely hold my hands up. I was wrong to doubt then, but that was the lowest I ever got. And that probably says a lot if that's the lowest I ever got. And it was a bit like, I don't really see the point here. I wanted a bit more, but it's whatever. Probably says how good of a time we have had over these past three years. I've just seen how long we've been going. Oh, my God. 
Right. <laughs> it has been a long old show. So we've got a few questions to address. We're going to take them off the air for the audio pod, YouTube and Twitch. Stay with us as we sign out of this one. Main podcast is going to be returning this time next week, Monday afternoon. We are going to be talking NFL Combine, which starts tomorrow, but it is not on TV until Thursday, but enjoy the combine. It's going to be fun. It's not going to be worth much, but it's going to be a fun event as it always is. So I hope you enjoy it too. And we'll be back to recap the winners and losers, the movers and shakers, the college football podcast that you went on earlier on. So sell to me what's happening with the college pod this week. Uh, so it's going to be covering the HBCU Legacy Bowl, the last of the All Star games before the combine obviously we try and do our show every year highlighting the best of hbcu talent so the game was the weekend just gone we're gonna review that and go through a few of their prospects and and maybe do a bit of combine work as well so it's good stuff don't forget to follow us on our socials rural lines uk on youtube twitch facebook instagram twitter and tiktok if you want to have a good laugh the cut-ups on TikTok and the YouTube uh, shorts and the Instagram reels are fantastic, and Ash deserves all the credit for that. But if you want to have a laugh along the way, you need to follow our Twitter because Ant is the absolute don at getting a laugh and a rise out of people at times. I saw you you baited someone earlier, which was uh, masterful. Maybe we can talk about that in a minute. Facebook group for worldwide fans is Detroit Lions Fans UK One Pride Worldwide. We are probably going to put plenty of photos up from the draft and video up there from the draft when we go. So go and follow the Facebook group. It's fantastic. Uh, the website, rotluk.com. Draft content to come on there. Please don't forget to subscribe. Rate us five stars on your podcast provider. Like and review and whatever. It all helps. It really, really does. So thank you. Guys, on the audio show, if you want some extra time, now's the time to go to YouTube and Twitch and have a look and see what we chat about. But for now, Ash and Ant, thank you for doing this with me. As always, great fun, even to deep dive this long. I, I have, it has not felt like this long. Apologies if you are hating the amount of time this has lasted for a three and a half hour show, but there we go. Anyway, for now, let's go Lions One Pride. One Pride. Book the Packers.